Here at the East Center, the Canadian fans in particular are really generating some electricity. Gary Thorne, John Davidson, every Olympics has a team turmoil. Right now, that is Team Canada. Well, they haven't been winning, Gary, and they haven't played their best. Uh, they're trying to catch up to the team system that most of the other teams have already achieved. So they want to try to achieve that against the Czechs here today. And what happens if they win or lose? That's what matters. On the bottom is what tells you what's at stake. The winner plays Russia. The loser plays Finland. The winner plays Russia. What's wrong with that? Finland knocked off Russia today, 3-1. During the pregame warm-up, Wayne Gretzky, who runs Team Canada, went out to the bench. And he also had Kevin Lowe, who also helped build the team, along with some of the coaches. There's concern with this team. They really want to try to get their game going. I don't think they're concerned with who they play next. They want to play their game, which is Canadian hockey. Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager against one another. They share 11 scoring titles. Mario did not play last night against Germany. He took a regular shift during the warm-up. And don't be surprised if Michael Pekka, who played center last night, plays left wing to go up against Yarmir Yager for that specific idea of checking. They, of course, were teammates in Pittsburgh. They will not be teammates for this. And for Canada, a vitally important game to try and get on the right track. Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of the Let's Remember Some Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Pankari in Thunder Bay, Ontario, making his triumphant return to the program after a couple years away. In Prince Albert, my old sophomore grounds is Jason Kerr. Jason, welcome back to the show. How are things? Uh, it's doing great. We're in December in Prince Albert and there's no snow, so I can't complain. Uh, other than, um, you know, the end of the pack, the end of Pac-12 after dark regular season football. That's... Uh, Kind of sad, but other than that, I'm doing good. It is a tragedy, but thank goodness, as a recording, we still have big wave Billy Walton on our airwaves doing Pac-12 games for another three months. Also, unlike Jason, it is currently snowing in Thunder Bay, so I may have to shovel tonight. A true tragedy. This is what happens when you live on the lake. So... This game that we're doing is one that Jason requests, along with a few others. Many of them are Payne Brother games that we'll discuss probably another time on the show involving the Riders. Um, but... There are so many pain Brother games with the Riders, it's tough to narrow it down to one. So yeah. we, could do, we could do a whole series. And this, and this year just added another one. I mean, this year's Grey Cup is a pain Brother game for the Riders, and they didn't even play it. But the Bombers lost, though, so you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, yeah. silver lining. Uh, this time around, though, and thankfully he didn't choose 93 Game 7 Islanders Penguins, which was also on the list. You want to see me and Jason swear for three hours? Here we go. And Jason doesn't even swear. We're discussing, though, a game involving Penguins. Olympic Round Robin 2002, Salt Lake City, Canada, and the Czech Republic. So, why did you pick this game, Jason? Or why did it make you want to do, choose this game for the podcast? I mean, I got so many reasons. Uh, the biggest one is, uh, like you being a Penn's homer, I'm a huge Mario Lemieux fan. I think this is one of the best games he ever played. Um, he's Obviously, when you watch the game, he's his back is killing him. And uh, he's obviously not 100%, but he's still... Uh, he's the straw that stirs Canada's drink on offense. Like some some periods, it seems like he's the only guy that's able to get quality scoring chances with, for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the other reason I wanted to talk about is because this game was—I remember it being one of the most hotly anticipated games in Canadian hockey history, and nobody really talks about it anymore. That the 2002 tournament—it's been eclipsed by 2010. You don't really hear people talk about uh, the Salt Lake City gold medal or that tournament or the struggle. 
struggles Canada went through in the round robin. So it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, disappeared into the past. But uh, at the time, this was, uh, you know, they talk about it on the broadcast, the pressure that Team Canada is under. They're underselling it. Like, people mm-hmm. were so hyped up for this game. And they wanted to beat the Czech so bad after 1998, and there was so much pressure. And nowadays, I mean, I can't even remember the last time I heard anyone talk about this game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, like you talk about the 2002 Olympics. You're a couple years older than I am, so I remember a lot of the Olympics. I remember the gold medal games. Uh, I remember the Soleil Pelche situation, which also gets referenced in this broadcast. I remember the curling a lot. I remember, like the men's curling especially, and a lot of those games just got posted on YouTube. So if you want to watch Kevin Martin and Paul Trillson final, who doesn't? Uh, that is on YouTube now as well. But yeah, like some of the stuff, like I, I don't even know if I watched this game live. Uh, I may have, but I. If, the weird thing with the Salt Lake games were like a lot of those games are during school hours or during the evening. So some I remember watching the semifinal at school. Spoilers, but a lot of the stuff is like I vaguely remember, but some of it's like. Yeah, it feels like it's sort of a for- forgotten game in a way, which is a shame because the level of play compared to what the NHL was at the time, pretty good. The full oh, yeah. of what we saw after the lockout. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time, every shift, there's a scoring chance. And, I mean, with the quality of players on both sides, it's, you know, you, there's a legitimate chance the puck's going in. It's not like it's some fourth-line grinder getting a, a chance here. But, the you know, you, you talked about how... Um, some people not be able to see this live. The scheduling for this tournament was awful. I remember them playing afternoon games on weekdays, and it's, it was the complete opposite with Vancouver, where they had hockey going in prime time every night, and so every night everyone was fired up. Didn't matter who was playing, but the Salt Lake City organizers—you could tell that. Well, I'm not sure if the IIHF had any say in the scheduling, but it it, it it was almost like the people who created the schedule didn't really think hockey was a big deal. They were putting figure skating in prime time at that uh, at that Olympics. Like the men's and women's figure skating uh, gold medals were at, were in the coveted you know seven to nine o'clock hour. I think. Well, well also like okay, eighty eight. Okay, we're we're going completely off topic already. This is normal for this show. <laughs> 80, looking at the 88 stuff, but that's different because that's a total round robin tournament. Like, the primetime stuff was skating, too. Granted, 88 women's figure skating. You had Debbie Thomas, Elizabeth Manley, Katerina Levitt. Hello. Uh, then you had Brian Boitano versus Brian Oyster on the men's side. So that was going to be hyped anyways, I think, in general, because it's obviously breaking. 88 U.S. team, not as good as 80, 80 U.S. team. Bill the Canada team had Havi, though, so that should have been primetime coverage. It's either Lichten, is it Luxembourg? I can't remember. It's one long. I think it's Luxembourg. Yeah, he's from Luxembourg, not Liechtenstein. Yeah, yeah Luxembourg. Great countries either way. <laughs> I mean, figure skating is obviously huge in the U.S., mm-hmm. but um, I think for hockey, I, I I rarely see a good matinee. Like most mat, most afternoon games are just dull. Yeah, and it's uh, it's, a, it's a sport that needs to be played in the evening to kind of get everyone hyped up. Mm-hmm. I'm just nosing here, re- looking up Happy. The heavily favorite Canadian Olympic team took an unimpressive one nothing victory over Poland at the Olympic Games. <laughs> Mark Habsheit scored 422 into the game, but the fourth seed Canadians couldn't capitalize on any other opportunities. It's, 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 um, it's amazing to think that there was a point where Canada was struggling to beat Poland. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, it's uh, crazy to think that that was a thing at 
Well, I guess we should talk about this game eventually. So let's go over the rosters for Canada and the Czechs. So Team Canada, we'll start off with first. Uh, head coach Pat Quinn is, of course, uh, in that role with head coach GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. In 1998, under head coach Mark Crawford, Canada went 3-0 and to win Group D, beating Kazakhstan 4-1 in the quarterfinals. Revenge for the eighth place game at the World Juniors, obviously, that year. But lost 2-1 in the shootout to the Czechs in the semifinals, leading to the hype for this game. Yuri Slager scored at 4-4 at the 49-46 mark of the game. Trevor Linden tied at 103 left. And then the shootout, no Wayne Gretzky, no one scores on Dominic Hasek. They then lose 3-2 to Finland in the bronze medal game, failing to middle medal for the first time since 1988 in Calgary. They had been fourth in that game since 84. Their last medal before that, with 92 and 94, with silver medals, was a bronze in 1968. People were mad. <laughs> we stayed up for this. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, um, it's funny. Like, that that shootout still gets talked about today. And I still pe- hear people talk about not picking Gretzky to shoot in it. So, it, like, that's something that still is still in the public consciousness, way more so than 2002. And we lost in 98. Like, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Returning from that team in 98 are goaltenders Martin Berger and Curtis Joseph. More on the guy who are also on that team in a little bit. Also returning are defensemen Rob Blake, Adam Foote, Al McKinnis, and Chris Pronger. Forward Seal Fleury, Eric Lindros. Boo! <laughs> Greyhounds fan mad. <laughs> Joe Neuendijk, Joe Sackick, Brandon Shanahan, and Steve Eiserman. Paul Korea is kind of back. He was on the 98 team but was concussed by a Gary Suter cross-check just before the Olympics. And Gretzky is back as general manager replacing Bobby Clark, who was in that role four years earlier. Uh, anything you want to add before we get to the new faces, Jason? You know, this is something we might talk about later, but it's, it's crazy to think that in 2002, Canada had the options of Belfort, Brodeur, and, you know, obviously Patrick Watt. He did, he decided not to play, but they could have. They had those three guys still going, and they went with Curtis Joseph in the first game against Sweden. And, <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's really easy, obviously, to sit here at our desks and kitchen tables and second guess all those decisions. But I mean, you got three of the top ten goalies of all time, and then a guy in Joseph who might not even be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. It's just crazy to me that they picked him. I think what they liked is the fact that Joseph played on a team where he was constantly stealing games, and in some cases, stealing series. Mm-hmm. Well, he did series. that prior to going to Toronto too, when he was at Edmonton, ninety seven, ninety eight. And I think, and, and and you look back at Brodeur with New Jersey or Belfort in Dallas, there was never the sense that um, they were stealing their teams an entire playoff series even though they were playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Whereas Joseph, there were sometimes, they wouldn't have got out of the first round. Toronto wouldn't have got out of the first round. St. Louis wouldn't have got out of the first round. Edmonton, I mean, the year they beat Dallas, they wouldn't have got out of the first round without Joseph. So he had that reputation as a guy that can drag a team kicking and screaming into the semi, into the second round, the conference finals, whatever. And I think that's what people were impressed with. But yeah, in hindsight, looking back on that, Yikes, like, what a what a decision by Hockey Canada. <laughs> uh, as mentioned, one of the other goalies on this team is the other goalie, Ed Belfort, who's replacing Patrick Waugh. Waugh said he was declining the opportunity to focus on another Stanley Cup run. There's a photo, I was looking at one uh, old box score in the leader post. 
Uh, Patrick Law is coaching one of his kids at the Quebec Pee Wee Tournament. Signs of the future at the Ramparts. Uh, but allegedly, Wah was not guaranteed to be the starter, so he was mad. Is the rumor. Yeah, I, I uh, heard that too. I, I've never... Um... I've never been able to, like, verify that or anything. But I've definitely heard that rumor. Because it was out there almost immediately after he said he didn't want to play. And I remember hearing uh, reporters uh, floating the idea that he wanted to be among... I guess Canada had to name seven or eight players, like, way before the tournament started. Yeah. Guaranteed seven or eight. The guys that were named... I actually found the orientation camp roster, which is... (laughs) Get ready for guys in a bit. (laughs) (laughs) um, So they were the only four goalies out there. None were guaranteed a spot. The guys that were guaranteed are Rob Blake, Scott Niedermeyer, Chris Pronger, Paul Correa, Mario Lemieux for some reason, Olin Nolan, (laughs) Joe Sackick, and Steve Eiserman. In hindsight, it's pretty gutsy of them to put Lemieux on that list, considering all the injury problems he had. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a guy you would have said, if he's healthy, we'll take him. But you don't know if he's going to be healthy. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, he didn't even play all the games in Salt Lake City. I mean, they talk in the broadcast about how he missed the game against Germany, which I don't even remember. I yeah. completely forgot about that. But he was... He was um, he was a guy that maybe potentially could have not even been there if uh, things go a little bit worse for him in Pittsburgh during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defensemen on the team, the new faces are Eric Brewer, Ed Jovanovski, and Scott Niedermeyer, replacing Ray Bork, Eric Desjardins, and Scott Stevens. Bork obviously retired. Stevens and Niedermeyer were at, or De, uh, Stevens and Desjardins, excuse, were at the summer collection camp. Other guys on the team that weren't or at that camp that didn't make the final roster: Richard Mafichuk, Jay McKee, Derek Morris, and Wade Redden. <laughs> defenseman but other than that it's just guys that they were built for that era of hockey or that era of hockey they were built to just hook and slash and slam guys into the boards and pin them there and um you know in hindsight it's probably a good thing they didn't end up going to the olympics not because they were bad players but they just would have i think they would have been overmatched on the big ice surface Mm -hmm. but even still eric brewer going um and he went he went to the world cup Two, didn't he? So wasn't he on their World Cup team? In 04? I think so. I'll yeah. confirm that while you're talking. It's it's kind of crazy how his his stock at one point was so high. And um, I don't know if people, if he just never reached his potential or if people were overvaluing him or, or, or um, had expectations for him that were unrealistic. But he never, it's not like you look back on that and go, oh, wow, Eric Brewer, no-brainer on defense for Canada. Mm-hmm. He was on that World Cup team in 2004, and he was also on the Payne Brother 98 World Junior Team. <laughs> Released to Kazakhstan footage. <laughs> uh, your, your new forwards or new faces that were on the O2 team, Simone Gagne, Jerome McGinley, Lemieux, Nolan, Peck, Mike Pecka and Ryan Smith replacing Rod Brindamore, Shane Corson, the aforementioned Wayne Gretzky, Trevor Linden, Keith Primo, Mark Recchi, and Rob Zomner. <laughs> what a choice. Yeah, yeah it's, um, that's definitely a Bobby Clark team. That 98 <laughs> team, when you look at some of the names, like Zamner and Corson and... Uh, Rod the Trevor Bod. Linden. I mean, Trevor Linden was a good two-way player. I shouldn't knock him, but uh, Corson, Zamner, a few of those guys, they're Bobby Clark guys, so... Uh, among the guys that were sorry, Jason, among the guys that were on the uh, summer camp that didn't make the final roster that we haven't already mentioned: Jason Arnott, Anson Carter, Brendan Morrow, uh, and Alex Tangay, and Pierre Turgeon, a spry Pierre Turgeon on the team. 
no. Um, Bring back Rob Zomner, you cowards. <laughs> there's no, there's no real forward. I look at that list and go, oh, he guaranteed he should have been there. I think they, they got the forward group right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. Um, I know everyone talks about how in international tournaments you, you need uh, guys that can play defense. You know, you need checkers, but there are a lot of guys who are high end scorers that are still pretty good defensively. I mean, Steve Eiserman was a pretty good defensive forward. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, there are a few other guys too uh, who are pretty responsible defensively, even though they were known as goal scorers. So I think they, they did a good job with the, the roster selection. I, I really don't have any complaints other than Joseph and Cole, I, I think was a bit of a head scratcher, but otherwise forward and defense, I think they, there's no, there's no one, um, there's no one I look at it from that, uh, that camp in July and go, well, they should have been on the team. Only one Sue Greyhound, though, so they're really playing with fire when you think about it. But Gretzky's involved, so it works out either way. <laughs> Czech Republic. Uh, Coach Joseph Augusta, who coached the 2000 and 2001 World Gold Medalist, is behind the bench in this one. Uh, last time, under head coach Ivan Holenka, who's the general manager for this team, they went 2-1 and one in Group C and finished second. Uh, lost 2-1 in the finale round robin to Russia. They beat the United States 4-1. to one. The U.S. celebrate by destroying the hotel room. Following the win over Canada in the semifinals, they then beat Russia 1-0 in the final. Dominic Kajic, a 30-save shutout. Peter Savota, the winning goal midway through the period. The Russians coming off a 7-5 semifinal win over Finland. Pavel Bure had scored five goals in that one. The first Olympic gold medal for the Czechs, their last medal coming in 1992 as Czechoslovakia with a bronze medal. And that's Penn's legend, Ivan Lenka, too. Yes. So, um, we've got to show some respect to the Penn's legend. That guy's coaching... In Pittsburgh. I mean, you want to talk about playing it loose. There was one game I remember looking at the ice time. He had five forwards with over 20 minutes of ice time and no defensemen with over 20 minutes of ice time. This is like late 90s, early aughts. Now, was part of that also Kovalev not knowing when to return on the bench? (laughs) Kovalev taking his customary two, two and a half minute shift probably did play into that, yeah. Uh, Returning from the roster that wasn't 98 games is Roman Czechmanic, Rip. And Dominic Hatchick in goal, who played every game in 1998. Defenseman Romer Hammerlick, Richard Smelik with a wounded duck, and Yaroslav Spachek. And forwards Yuri Dopita, Milan Hayduk, Yarmer Yager, Robert Lang, Pavel Patera, Robert Reichel, and Martin Ruszynski. Pens legends all over the place. Except Yager's with the caps at this time, so pain. <laughs> yeah. And a, and a pretty solid lineup. I mean, um, obviously not the star power that Canada has, but mm-hmm. uh, up and down. And, you know... People like to talk about European um, nations being soft. On the defense, they've got some sandpaper back there. Like mm-hmm. Kabina is a pretty, um, you know, he's a pretty physical player, and they've they've got some guys that can that can uh, play a bit of a gritty uh, defensive game as opposed to just offensive scoring. So mm-hmm. it's a good roster, top to bottom. You mentioned Pavel Kubina is one of the new faces on the team. Uh, the other new face on the team in goal, Roman Turek, who replaces 1993 Swift Current Broncos goalie Milan Halinka. Uh, defenseman Thomas Carabelli, Cal Kubina, Martin Skula, Michael Sikora, that's Peter's brother. Uh, they played Franisak Kusera, Libor Prochaska, Yuri Slager, and Peter Svoboda. And forwards Peter Sanyak, Radek Dvorak, Patrick Elias, Marty Havlett, Peter, and Peter Sikora. Uh, they replaced Joseph Brannick, Jan Kaloon, David Morovic, Martin Prohaska, Vladimir Ruzicka, and Martin Straka, who had broken his leg in November and then decided to break it again later in the season. He had a bad 102. Yeah. Shout out to another Penn's legend, Martin Straka. Um, 
one of my favorite pens of all time. <laughs> Not a flashy guy, but super hardworking and really smart and put up a lot of points for him. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it, he was a really underrated player mm-hmm. in the NHL. And I think, uh, I think the Czechs really missed him at this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2002 Olympic field, there's no Italy, Japan, and Kazakhstan back from 98, but they were replaced by Latvia, Switzerland, and Ukraine. Uh, some notes for each team. We have Austria, which is coached by former Mez and had Tigers bench boss Ron Kennedy, and also features Martin Holmberger, the top pick in the 1993 WHL draft by Victoria. Kids, the dub draft in the 90s was very strange for people how to learn how the draft works, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, Belarus, the lone NHLers, Ruslan Saleh, Finland, Hanu Aravarta, or totally butchered that. He's back as the head coach from the 98 team. France featuring Cristobal Hue, three members from UMass Lowell's roster, and Tim Bozon's dad, Philippe. Germany has 19-year-old Christian Erhoff and 20-year-old Dennis Seidenberg on defense. Also, shout to Moose Jaw Warriors alumni Mark McKay on the roster. Head coach for Latvia, Kurt Lundstrom, who won a bronze with Finland in 1994. Russia's head coach is Slava Fetisov, who was an assistant with New Jersey at this point, and also features a wild Ilya Brizgalov on their roster and goal, who's currently in the AHL at this point. Slovakia, a really fun roster on paper with the likes of Ziggy Palfi and Marian Hossa, among others, but more on them a little bit. Sweden, which features a still playing in Europe, Henrik Zetterberg. Uh, Switzerland's roster with Mark Streit, Martin Gerber, and David Abisher, and also Ralph Kruger as head coach. Ukraine with Dmitry Kristic, Penn's legends, Alexei Ponikarovsky, and Rus- and Melford Mustang's legend, Ruslan Fedotenko. And the States, obviously, as host with Herb Brooks back behind the bench. His second-year Olympics was head coach. He is head- was the coach of France in 1998. Well, we're not going to go through every roster because then this would rival the 93 NHL draft episode in terms of length. But there's a ton of guys at this tournament. Yeah, uh, some of those, uh, the countries that are that are not heavyweight favorites. I mean, you, it's incredible the number of junior hockey guys, like former Canadian, former Dub, former OHL junior hockey guys, or like you mentioned, a couple of NCAA guys that just end up playing over in Europe for 10 seasons, and suddenly you find them on a roster with Switzerland or Germany or Italy or whatever. Shout out to Nat Dominicelli at the 06 Olympics, obviously. <laughs> uh, your standings. Now, the format, we kind of alluded to the scheduling of Jason here. The format's weird. So the non-top six teams are in two separate groups. The winners of that group advance to Group C and D, where the top teams are waiting. In Group A, Germany wins with six points. Two points are win, by the way. Latvia with three, Austria with two, and Slovakia with one single point. Their lone point coming in a wild 6-6 tie of Latvia, in which they blew a 6-3 lead. Yes, kids, that is on YouTube, and Gary Thorne is on the call. Let's go. <laughs> correctly uh slovakia was basically the, the nhl didn't break for that preliminary pool if i remember correctly um so, so i checked didn't... i checked that because i read that too in wikipedia but a lot of those guys are in the latvia game which is the second game of the tournament so i think they just missed the opener i don't think it was as oh. bad as 98 where you're coming from japan obviously don't yeah. give the nhl ideas they might bring that back when the olympics come around again in 30 years oh geez I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> These last two Olympics were great. There's more guy remembering. Nobody wants to see good players. Give me that Dominicelli. <laughs> Who do you want to see? Dustin Jeffrey. In Group B, Belarus and Ukraine end up with four points. A tiebreaker being a one nothing windy opening game for Belarus. Switzerland with three points and France with one. Their lone point coming in a 3-3 tie with the Swiss. 
Group D has just finished. Now, all the teams in Group D and Group C are guaranteed spots in the playoffs. USA led the group with five points, Finland with four, Russia with three, and Belarus with zero. Well, I'm sure nothing crazy will happen with Belarus in the next round, Jason. <laughs> I'm sure they're dead in the water with their one NHLer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll go a little bit more detail here on Group C. Um, February 15th, the aforementioned opening game, Rip Cujo as Sweden wins 5-2, Matt Sunding with two goals and assists. The Czechs have an 8-2 win over Germany. Ho-hum, Jammer Jager, two goals and two assists. Normal day at the office. On February 17th, Sweden with a 2-1 win over the Czechs. Tommy Stahl with 37 saves. And Canada edging out Germany 3-2. As mentioned, Lemieux not in that game. Germany kind of charges back late, but Sackett, Korea, and Foot with the goals for the Canadians. Yeah, and that's... Um... You know, John Davidson, or, or it's either Davidson or Coment on this broadcast mentioned it, but Canada didn't look real good in that Germany game. Um, they they played well enough to win, but I think that's that's type the type of game where your talent gets you past, not your work ethic. Mm-hmm. They because Germany scored two late ones and made it look a lot, made it close late and kind of threw a scare into everybody, mm-hmm. but. Coming off that loss to Sweden, I think everyone wanted that dominant, uh, eight, like the 8-2 victory that the Czechs had. They wanted a big win out of Canada. And to only win by a goal, it, it, I remember everyone being really nervous after that game, going, oh boy, here we go again. Like mm-hmm. It's going to be like the again. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that, because I was checking, like I said, I was looking at the old papers, trying to find exact box scores and all that, and then... And I think it's Rob Vanstone's call. I'm just confirming it here. Because uh, it's kind of along those lines, like you mentioned. It was the performance in this game was better than the Germany game. So they're talking, okay, things are looking better from what they were a couple days earlier. Blah, 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 blah. Though Vanstone does say, Eric Lindros has continued to play passively. The Russian pair skater, skaters initiated more contact. To be yeah. fair, how much of Lindros post Scott Stevens saying hello with his shoulder are we looking at here though too? Because he hadn't yeah. played basically for because reasons. Yeah, I mean it's he. That's a fair. That's a fair comment. He's Having watched Lindros in the '91 World Junior Games and the stuff that we discussed in my shows, Brad Emilio, there's a slight difference from what he's like at that point. Yeah, he's definitely um, playing a different style. Part of that is the Olympics, the bigger ice. You can't run around and take runs at guys like you can in the NHL. But he's still there. Are guys who are playing physical, like Owen Nolan has a couple of nice hits in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And Lindros is uh, he's not he's not the physical presence that people remember him as. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to February eighteenth, two thousand and two, or as I write down, the day after Ward Burton won the Daytona five hundred. Uh, for this one, we have the U.S. Fevers, which I think is on CNBC. So it's my boy Gary Thorne back once again, favorite of the podcast, with John Davidson. Uh, the feed that we have also has footage from Russia, Finland, with Kenny Albert and Joe McCletty on there. And the in-studio host is Jim Lampley and Bill Clement, and also Darren Pang floating around as well. So all the stars are here. Yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good lineup. I Gary Thorne is, I mean, other other than Mike Lang in Pittsburgh, uh, he's probably my favorite play-by-play guy. I think he does a great job. Davidson, obviously, is a great analyst. And uh, I like Bill Clement in the studio. Uh, Lampley, I'd never heard of before this, so I don't know 
I don't know if he's normally a, a baseball or football guy. I don't remember him from any hockey coverage at all, but he, he does fine. It, he, um, I know him more as HBO boxing play-by-play, but he's done studio stuff. Oh. If, if you watch old USFL broadcasts, he appears as ABC <laughs> studio guy. <laughs> Early on to talk about that. <laughs> yes. So let's get to the game itself. Right at the first drop of the whistle, the checks changed right off the face off, and Davidson is shook by it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, and they mentioned in the broadcast that they're they're uh, they're really pushing teams to line up and, and do the face off quickly, and how uh, line changes uh, might be impacted or line matching might be impacted. But um, yeah, I was kind of shook by that too. I completely forgot that teams used to do stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. The first few minutes, you mentioned that physicality. Flory is knocked down by Kubina twice in a five-second span. Hamlet is then draped all over by Ryan Smith for their playing on. Lindros set up a nice two-handed axe handle smack to the back of Kubina's head. And then Nolan just flattens Reichel into the far boards. <laughs> and, and already, I mean, the, the theme of this game, we're going to get to this at the end. Yes. But there are a lot of penalties that go uncalled in this game. And I'm not, I'm not saying uh Canada or or the Czechs were were would have were wronged in this. Like both teams were wrong. It wasn't one sided. There were a lot of penalties on both sides that that definitely uh should have been called and I, I, like, I don't know what Bill McCurry McCurry's doing out there, but this some um, like the hold the hold on Ryan Smith right off the start is I think pretty blatant <laughs> and uh McCurry just watches it and I guess that that was just late 90s that was just dead puck era hockey like, yeah but it's still sad to watch yeah um, we get an ad for the let's remember some US food products uh, also of note now as I told James before we started recording I can't remember what CBC's stuff was on this because there's not really any media time outbreaks at the Olympics uh, you're kind of just cutting in a commercial and you come back in the middle of the play thankfully no one scored off a face off in this game otherwise there have been scenes <laughs> Yeah, they, um, and I was, that's another thing that shook me. After that, the Hashik's first save on Lemieux, on that two-on-one. More on that a little bit. Like, great save. I'm expecting to see a replay, and instead they cut to commercial, show one commercial, and come back, and the play's going again. So, yeah, I, which, I mean, as a fan, I like to see, I think, I think that's one of the reasons why this game is as good as it is. Because there aren't these long delays for commercials, mm-hmm. but it's still jarring to watch. Uh, Six twelve mark. By the way, clock goes upwards, international clock style on the scoreboard here. Hey Duke finds Drusinski in stride, who gets on a breakaway. The last play back is McKinnis, who hooks him down and checks power play. A couple of chances, but it's killed off. And shortly afterwards, this. Two shots on that power play chance for the Czech Republic. They do not score. It remains scoreless. Canada out shooting the Czech Republic right now 5-3 in this first period. Here comes Paul Correa. Correa dropped a shot. Lemieux, what a save. Dominic Hasek. Oh, baby, what a save. Canada works up the ice and field flurry sets up a two-on-one of Korea and Lemieux. Korea have a backhand feed to Mario. Hasek comes across and makes a right leg save. We don't get a replay because reasons, but continue. Yeah, which is really frustrating because this is a, a really nice save. And, I mean, D- Davidson mentions it later in the broadcast, but Canada should be up about 3 or 4 nothing after the first period. And the only reason they aren't is because Hashik is making these incredible saves. You know, just one comment on the on the penalty before that. You, you know, it's, it's the frustrating thing about this era of hockey is if 
I think there's a lot of diving in this particular game from both sides. And I think the reason there's a lot of diving is because you couldn't get a penalty call if you didn't hit the ice. And this from McInnes is the clear, in my opinion, hook. Like, if he did that today, um, it'd be an easy two minutes. But back then, it wasn't. Like, back then, you had to, like, fall down or hit the deck because uh, otherwise they were just going to let uh, McKinnis water ski mm-hmm. behind that guy the entire way. So a bit frustrating, but I mean, I understand why the guy did it. Following, like, was, was it yeah. Following a quick break for Coca-Cola, this happens. A three on two, now a three on three. Czech Republic on ice, Erdina in the middle, pass to and got blocked. Played back to the near side boards by Radek Dvorak. Point chance taken, missed. Shot that went wide. Everly was wide open over there. Spacek along the near side corner waiting. Shot deflected in front. Rodor down. Uh, rebound shot centered into the middle. Couldn't do anything with it. Oh, Nolan got it out. Chance up ice again. Here comes Lemieux. Lemieux shot. a great reception of the Niedermeyer pass by Lemieux. He had to reach for the puck, settle it down, take a look, snap it through the legs. And it might have been the defenseman's stick that tried to get in the way of the puck that bothered Hasek. Lemieux scores, and he is flying early. After the Czech's pressure, Mario takes a pass from Niedermeyer, comes in and beats Hasek fivefold. He's good, I guess. Lemieux from Niedermeyer at 9-11, one nothing Canada. And this is one of my favorite Mario Lemieux goals of all time. I know there's nicer ones. I know there's ones that are, uh, you know, more highlight reel, uh, more exciting to watch. There's nobody over there. This isn't really a two-on-one. But he makes them think it's a two-on-one by just looking, looking, looking over there. And then instead of passing, you know, he gets Hashik to open up and then fires it through the five hole. It's like just a smart, just such a smart play. Such a great goal, and um, the way Hashik was playing in this game, that's the kind of thing you needed to do to beat him. Because, uh, as I said, the only reason it isn't 3 or 4 nothing for Canada early is because of Hashik's play. Mm-hmm. Uh, right about a minute after that, Yager rushes up the ice and dipsy doodles by, I believe, Nolan at center ice, but loses the handle coming into the slot as he's hooked by Brewer. Then a few minutes later is this play. Great pace here in this game. They wave off the icing. Marty Brodeur. Rodor backs it up. Lang moving in. Couldn't get there ahead of Owen Nolan. Nolan just tipped that one up the half boards to help it out. Lindros to Nolan. Nolan moving in between the legs on a pass. Centered. Just missed getting it back to him. That one off the goaltender's stick. Dominic Hasek went down to block that. As Team Canada's moving it around east to west on the ice. Lindros in. Lindros drops it off. Owen Nolan to Lindros. Shot save. Hasek. Rebound loose in behind the net. Niedermeyer gets it back. He drops it behind the net again. Lindros is in the far corner. Nolan in front. Tipped off a defenseman's stick. Gary, this should be 3-0 Canada. They played that well. Dominic Hasek has made two sensational, sensational saves. Owen Nolan with a between-the-leg pass on a rush with Niedermeyer alongside him? Sure. The pass can't connect with Nolan and Shanahan's tacos off of the stick of Hasek. Canada's just wilding here on offense. 
crazy to me, you know, you got a guy like Hashik who's playing great, uh, best goalie in the world at this point, in my opinion. And you would want to get more traffic in front of him. And the guys they have out there, like Owen Nolan and Shanahan, guys who should be just driving to the net and creating havoc, instead they're doing these little behind-the-back drop passes between the legs. <laughs> just fun to go, you guys need to simplify things. Like Just go to the front of the net, just create a traffic jam, You know, jam the puck in the net. No one cares how pretty the goals look as long as they go in. But, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, too, Yager. Like, he's great this game. Like that. Yager was good? No. I mean, he has some... Uh, we'll talk about this later, but he has some great dangles in this mm-hmm. game. Like, he's... I mean, he's he's playing just as well as Lemieux is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You heard Jason mention earlier where Davidson said it should be 3 nothing. You heard that at the end of the clip. Nolan and Lindros have a nice give-and-go play. Hashik stops Lindros. Uh, a couple minutes later, hooking is called the PETA. On Blake, my note for the call is woof. <laughs> a graphic pops up after that. Clement's keys to the game. Underneath, Hockey Central's Bill Clement explains keys to the game. Thanks, tips. <laughs> exact same thing you said in the Chiron. <laughs> oh, man. It's crazy. It's crazy to think, like, you see stuff like that, and then people wonder why hockey um, doesn't catch on with a particular demographic. I mean, <laughs> It's shocking. <laughs> Flabbergasting, I know. Uh, the one good chance in this power play, McKinnis finds Saku, makes a power rush into the slot, absolutely ruins a D-man on his way to the net. I think it's Hammer. Like, he can't get the shot off the orders to scramble, and it's eventually clear. Joe Sackick, also very good at this era. Yeah, they've got... Um, I mean, Lemieux is obviously like, the big gun here, but uh, Sackick plays really well in this game. Steve Eiserman plays really well in this game. Aguila is the leading scorer, which I completely... I mean, I, obviously I knew he had the one big season. I completely forgot he was the leading scorer at the end of this tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they've got a lot of guys who are playing at, uh, at a really high level. And uh, I think you, you see that in the first period because they're just all over the checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that power play is killed off, we get this. Adam put back on deep, put and Pronger teamed up right now. And Team Canada's changing. As we speak, 13-5 the shots in favor of Team Canada. Lindros around his man, centered, not quite. He had Smith cutting three on two the other way. Yarmir Yager moving it up, Lang in the middle. Yager waiting, takes the shot, passed it off near side, couldn't connect. Havlick was cutting off the left wing, and it was Lindros back-checking. Canada's working really well at both ends so far. Here comes Havlick down low, shot, SCORE! Did the job back checking when Hamlet went to the net for the Yager for the Yager pass. And then Yager moves up and Pronger, the defenseman, is now at center ice. So it's a 2-1-1 down low with only Jovanovsky back and Hamlet put the puck in off the goalpost. Look at the job along the way here by Lindros. Good job. Now he thinks his team has the puck, but Pronger lost it off the post. 1-1. What a shot by Hamlet. And Hamlet was put on the number one line for this game. He is a 20-goal scorer this season with Ottawa. Intercepted. And just got tied up in skates. Gabrielet trying to hold it in. Could not. Three on one the other way. Simon Gagne drops it. Shot. Banged away. Rebound went off the back of the 
the net. Oh, what an opportunity for Aginla. Now the net comes loose. Hushik, see, see how mad Hoshik is? He's saying the Canadian player knocked the net off, so he wants to face off outside. Dominic doesn't miss anything. The odd puck, but not many. I mean, he wants to face off outside the zone. And Bill McCurry says that's enough. Drop the puck. Two on one. Aginla's had a great, great Olympics so far. One of Canada's best players. And they hadn't had many through the first two games. Hoshik moves across. The shot hit the webbing on the outside. Sackett shot the puck went in. And then there's... The net being bumped. Hoshik bumped into a Ginland. The net was knocked off. Goal came at 18-23. Hovland from Yager. Scoring chances in favor of Team Canada, but a 1-1 game. So just when I say Canada's been really good defensively, Havlin scores as they took the puck away from Pronger. Lindros first with a nice rush around school. His pass into the slot finds nobody. Then, the ensuing rush by the checks. Yager tries to find Havlin, but he can't get it. Lindros and Havlin are bounding for the puck. It bounces out. Pronger whips on it due to pressure from Yager. Havlin gets it and beats glove side off the post as Yager is tripped up blatantly from behind by progress. The shot is going off. Havlin from Yager. This game is tied up at 18-23 at one apiece. Chris Pronger doing dirty things behind the play? Never. <laughs> Never. Yeah, um, you know, I, I mentioned it uh, just a moment ago, but this play, Yager makes this play by, uh, by hassling Pronger, forcing him to whiff, as you said, on the clearing attempt. And, uh, and all the Canadians are caught up ice except for Adam Foote, who's kind of caught in no man's land there. Uh, but this is a great shot from Havlin, too. Like, that's, there's not a whole lot that uh, Brodeur can do about it. Like, it's he's kind of caught flat-footed, too, and Havlin just makes a, a great shot over his glove. So full, full credit to the Czechs for working hard on this goal, and they get a, a sniper like Havlin, uh, they get him a in a scoring position and I mean if you like you can't really complain about that you can't really look back and go well Canada should have done this or that just great hustle from the Czechs mm -hmm. about 20 seconds or so after that goal Gagne finds again on a 201 rush but he shoots it wide Sackick thought he was in you can see him but he's got his arms up in the air and he's like oh crap gotta keep playing as the clock's winding down, Yager's trying to break through Brewer and Foot. Foot sticks, explodes, he tries to hit him, and he's called for slashing. Sure. Foot is shook in the box over this. Off the faceoff, Carberle gets it and tries to get feeded in front, but a nice stretch pass blocked by Pronger ends the period. 1-1, shots are 13-6 Canada. Gary Thorne, quote, give me some oxygen. So your thoughts on the last little bit of the period there, Jason, because there's a lot going on there with the penalty, checks chance late, obviously Gagne and Aginla hooking up, which Sackett thought was the goal. Well, Gary Thorne really nailed it. Like, give me some oxygen. <laughs> they, they played at a pretty good pace. Like I said, I think the fact that they don't really have the commercial breaks, it allows the it allows the um, the game to flow better. Like, I think I think it's really killing the product. Uh, just the long commercial breaks and so many of them uh, at the NHL level or at the pro level. Because uh, this game absolutely flies. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, because of the talent on the ice, every time someone's in the offensive zone, you know, there's a guy out there who's a threat to score. So, yeah, great, uh, great first period of hockey. Like I said, uh, Canada should be up 3-1, 4-1, if not for Hashik. Uh, Brodeur played well, too, though, even though he hasn't really had a whole lot to do. Uh, you can't really fault him on that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, intermission time here. We won't go through most intermission, but there are a few highlights. Uh, let's remember some channels of a Tech TV ad. Uh, we also have NASCAR content for me with Mark Martin, Far Viagra, and a Havlin Ricky Rudd card. Let's go. Into the target audience. 
20 years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, NASCAR and Viagra. Like, so, wow. um, the, the sponsorship deal for that, because Mark Martin sponsored Valve for a long time, but apparently, this is back when NASCAR was white hot. I think the sponsorship contract for that was nuts. Like, it was like $20 million for the full season, which no one does now. Everyone's like 90 sponsors for a full year. But I remember the contract for that was wild, which is why they took it. Let's yeah. remember some products. <laughs> Let's remember when NASCAR was red hot. Like, jeez. <laughs> Listen yeah, to half the shows of Alexa and Brett on it. Brother Brett on it. <laughs> and I gotta say, the amount of tech commercials, or the amount of, you know, internet commercials. Well, there was Gateway Computer, I'm pretty sure. I am sad and dude, you're getting a Dell guy didn't show up. That would have made the show if we'd had that guy appear. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I don't remember seeing this this number of tech commercials on Canadian TV. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but... We, ha- every, we, we also had probably Molson ads on. We used to be a proper country. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also of note, during the period, we have a Darren Pang, Ryan Smith interview, and Jim Lampley's talking about the younger guys on the roster. Gagne, Smith, Aginla, Owen Nolan. <laughs> that plucky youngster, 10-year vet, Owen Nolan. <laughs> So, second period gets underway. Gary Thorne. Power play opportunity to start the second as Czechoslovakia has the man advantage. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Gary creating a geopolitical crisis with his commentary. Here come the Soviets. <laughs> uh, nothing going for the Czechs on a power play. Again, the shorthand has the best chance. Now, leading into this next clip, you'll hear them talking a little bit about the East Center. It was a fabulous facility, and they're trying to keep the humidity down. As you hear them talking about with Darren Payne, they kind of shit talk Panger. Um, I my note when they're talking about trying to keep the humidity down, like, what is this, a curling event? <laughs> opening up the arena, trying to get fans going? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't remember hearing about that at, at all. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, holding the Olympics in Utah, you can understand why. But I remember hearing about that a lot with the Vancouver Olympics. Yeah. They were really worried about the weather, uh, the warm weather. But I don't really remember that being an, an issue. Like, I, I I was thinking back when I saw that report from Pang. It's not something I, I – I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just have no memory of it at all. I don't think it was that – the weather was that wild um, during the medal round either, which is probably why it didn't came up again. Maybe if we lost it would have. I don't know. But anyway <laughs> – Sabotage the weather machines. Yeah. So anyway, as you hear them talking about the hot air and dunking on Panger, we get this. It's going to be about 40 degrees outside today, they said, weather-wise, which is uh, very warm compared to what it's been. Yarmir Yager, look at the move, the shot. Short side held by Brodeur, swept right through the top of the crease. So, Darren, uh, they say there's a lot of, I guess, Gary, a lot of hot air in here then, huh? A lot of hot air. (laughs) They haven't moved Darren out yet, though. Oh, no. Uh, You were leading there. Centered, wide open, score! Martin Hamlin! the Czech coaching staff look they made a line change two line changes and they put the youngster Hamlet number nine up on the big line he's in front takes his time to catch 
catches Marty Brodeur on the way down, slides it under him. Havlet plays for the Ottawa Senators. He's an exciting player. Underneath Marty Brodeur before the goaltender could get down. Remember Havlet, the last game we saw him play, missing the net all the time, looked nervous? Not anymore. Not today. And it is a 2-1 check lead. They get it on their ninth shot of the game. And 3-0 to the period. Third goal of this Olympics for Havlet. And Gubina picks up the assist. As Team Canada missed a defensive assignment there, and he came down the shoot, and nobody picked him up. Team Canada down by one. Newendike the move in the middle. Newendike left to Shanahan. Save made. No rebound. Yager is down in the near boards. He works through a hit by Brewer, and then a nice move, short side angle shot on Brodeur. Canada can't clear it. Kubina finds Havlet alone in the slot, and he shoots an underneath a falling Brodeur. At the 308 mark, Havlet second of the game from Kubina. 2 1 checks. And. Um. You know, even though Yager doesn't get a point on this goal, he basically creates it because, and once again, John Davidson points this out, Canada's defense, the second Kubina gets the puck, Canada's defenders, they just corral Yager and basically tackle him in front of the net. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kubina has all the time in the world to slide it in front of uh, Havlat. And Havlat has all the time in the world to shoot. I mean, Ryan Smith is trying to get back there, but it's just... um, you know, it's a, a credit to what a player Yager was that the second there's a turnover, everyone just piles on him because they know he's the number one threat, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he didn't get an assist on the goal, but he deserved one for taking two Canadian defensemen with him. Mm-hmm. Canada starts to pressure after that. Newendike with a nice move into attacking zone. He feeds it back to Shanahan and stopped by Hasek. I'm pretty sure it's the Mew. I said the Mew, maybe Lindsay. I'm pretty sure it's the Mew. Makes it between the leg, drop past the eyes, and shoots it high off the crossbar. Then the 522 mark. No one feeds it into Smith in the slot. His shot goes off the left shoulder of Hasek. There's a scramble in front of Lindros, unable to get a shot off as his batting of Caberlet, who was called for holding. The power play yeah, sucks, that's, so that's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Jason. Yeah. And, that, and this is, um, I mean, we, we talked about uh, penalties. Like, this is a pretty obvious penalty, too, I think. Um, much, as I, much as it might pay, pay me to say it, but uh, you can't really argue with the call here. Mm-hmm. Um, long sequence of stuff, and then uh, we get back to it after that penalty kill. Uh, about 12:23 mark, Niedermeyer is hooked from behind by Rusinski. That's a penalty all day. Uh, early on the power play, Lemieux finds Korea, who wires a one-timer to stop by Hasek. Which is the best chance of that power play? Yeah, that's and that's. I mean, he's right in the slot too. Like, this isn't a high slot or top of the circle. I mean, he's right in the slot, and he just hammers the puck. So, I mean, there's nothing you can do, really. Like, if you're Canada at that point, you just got to tip your tip your cap, tip your helmet to Hashik, because incredible mm-hmm. save. Then here comes John Davidson after a shot of the Canadian brass, and Gary Thorne's talking about pressure. This has been building for a year and a half. All people have been talking about for a year and a half is winning the gold. This is not the Afghan war. This is sports. <laughs> to, to steal the misquoted Bill Shankly line here, some people believe football is a matter of life and death. I am very disappointed at that attitude. I can assure you that it is much, much more important than that. Good heavens, to quote you. My goodness. I, I really, like, I like John Davidson. But I really don't know where he's going with this. Like, is he trying to say that cat Canadians were taking it too seriously? Or is he trying to just emphasize to his American audience just how big it is? It's a column A, column B. Yeah, maybe a bit of both. But yeah, I actually had to rewind it when I saw it, when I heard that. And say, 
Did I actually hear what I just heard? The real question, though, Jason, is how will this tournament affect the Leafs? Oh, boy. <laughs> it actually does affect the Leafs. I mean, this, that's the crazy thing. This is one of the rare times it actually does affect the Leafs. <laughs> More than another time. So that power play is killed off. Uh, 14-27. Theo Fleury a nice rush to stop by Hasek on the far side. Lindros fans on the puck in front of him. Rob Vanstone makes note for his column. Uh, shortly after that... Uh, Lang and Rushinsky rushing on foot. Lang drops it back, but Rushinsky's shot is blocked by a diving foot. Great play by the former Hound. Yager then makes Flurry look absolutely silly and feeds it to Lang, but a shot in the shot, shot in the slot is stopped by Verdur. Yeah, you, you don't really want a forward back on in that position against Yager, <laughs> uh, and I mean, you can see that that coming a mile away. You could see that that was going to happen. So. You know, Theo Fleury ends up looking pretty bad, but I think any forward in that position is going to look pretty bad. About a minute later, Shanahan works his way into the slot, but his shot is high and wide. We then cut to the shot of Herb Brooks up in the stands. Davidson is talking about how he studies the systems, players, and game plans. Gary Thorne. And he eats pens. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 17-20, Mark Niedermeyer with a point shot off the board, slides into the slot, the checks can't get it, Ryan Smith with a shot, they're stopped by Hasek, and then Nolan bumps him after and some hooting and hollering is, uh, occurs. <laughs> yeah, this is, we haven't talked about this, but this is a really chippy game. Well, we kind of talked about it when we said there should be more penalties. Yeah, so there's really stuff coming good. later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's going to get worse. But the first period, there's a lot of stick work. You know, mm-hmm. There's a lot of hacking and slashing and spearing, so... Yeah, Bill Burkhardt is letting a lot go. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, about a minute and a half later, we get this. Under a minute and a half left to go here in period number two. Dopita dumped it in. McGinnis, Elias was there with him. Fire side, step up, good hold in. Now a two-on-one in the middle, Korea. Looking shot, saved. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The light went on. Mario Lemieux thought he scored. Well, I think Hoshik has the puck, and they say he's over the goal line. Hoshik rolls over, keeps the puck, but didn't want to show anybody. The net went off the mooring after the collision. They may go to video replay. Kobina's going at it now with somebody. They are really getting together here. Lemieux talking to McCreary. They will go, probably, I would think, Gary, and it's got to be conclusive. The video replay, the overhead may show, but you have to see the puck. And McCreary never signaled goal. That's right. That's right. He did not signal goal. Now, here's the overhead. Two on one. There's the shot. Hoshik's got it. Does he fall into the net? You can't see the puck. It's by his left arm. That may be in, but I don't see the puck. So you cannot say that that's a goal. You can assume. But look at the collision. Now you see the net. Oh, look at Kobina. He knocked the net right off the mooring himself. That's against the rules. That's a penalty. As in the NHL, video replay is available. To determine whether or not that puck crossed the line, Bill McCreary, NHL official, on the phone. He will go upstairs. They have specific rules for what they look for. And it has to be concluded. You can think the puck's over the line, but that doesn't count. You have to know the puck's over the line. Now, that's why we said if Bill McCreary signals goal, then it is a goal unless you go upstairs and it conclusively shows it wasn't. He's but McCreary did not signal goal. If that's in his glove, 
His gloves over the line. If it's in his glove, it could be trapped against his body. It's got to be conclusive. The linesman now talking to Mario there. That's why you see Mario's head going up and down. Mario two on one. He had to shoot. Spashek number six was trapped. Here's Korea in front, jamming away. Take another look at the overhead view. The shot. Spashek's got it. He rolls back. It's his body over the line. We're looking at an angle just a little off. Bobina definitely should have had a penalty for knocking the net off the boring. That's that's the only thing that I see that's conclusive. The puck wow. must entirely cross the line. The puck must entirely cross the line for it to be a goal. And boy, I don't know how they're going to tell from that video. I don't either. And we're looking at the same shots that they're looking at, and you can't see the puck. And Bill McCurry never signaled goal on the ice, which meant he wasn't sure it was in either. Another look from the internet. Let's see where the puck goes. Does it go into his glove or is it trapped between his elbow and body? Now there he is on the line and he rolls back in. He hasn't been pushed in by anybody. See? Now Korea comes and he gets shoved, but Hashik, he's over the line, Gary. Yeah. I mean, one and one makes two. The only problem is you don't see the one and one. In other words, you don't see the little black puck. There's a big assumption you got to make here. Yeah. It's not in the glove, JD. Well, it is trapped against his left body, and it looks like he rolled over the line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, common sense says it's a goal, but you don't really see the puck, and it's got to be conclusive. So, how conclusive are they upstairs? That's the question. This would tie the game at 2 2 if indeed it is a goal. It's a minute 11 to go in the period. Gretzky saying it was in by a foot. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it does make logical sense that he rolled over the line. With a puck trapped on the left side of his body, either in the glove or against his left arm, right? Left yep. arm and body. Yep. And he did roll over, and he was not pushed over the line in watching that replay. But they've got to be conclusive upstairs, and this is taking a long time. Goal! It is a goal. Mario Lemieux. And you know, Yonker's talking to McCreary, but there's no reaction from Hoshik, there's no reaction from the Czech bench. There is from Yager talking to McCreary. He wants to know. And McCreary's saying that I was told by the people upstairs. But I like what the Czechs are doing, Gary. No overreaction. They're not up, you know, just Yager talking as the captain. Hoshik just skates out, bends down, gets ready to go to work. The bench is calm and quiet. Gretzky sees goal. That ties the game at 2 2, and it's Mario Lemieux who's got them both. Spashik, the left defenseman, got trapped. At the blue line, it was a two-on-one. Lemieux couldn't pass. The lane was taken away, so he shot it. Hashik was deep, and they say rolled over the goal line. And that delay took so much time. They can keep Lemieux's line out there. That's going to be whistled on an offside the other way. So we have a 2-2 game, 18-49, rather. Lemieux gets his second goal. Eisenman got the assist. Dominic Hashik, J.D., absolutely right. He never protested about it. And I, I like the, the checks. Their bench is quiet and relaxed. The goaltender's quiet and relaxed. I like their attitude a ton. Hashik knew he was in trouble. You can see that he was trying desperately to get that arm out of the, yeah, that, out of the net. You're right. Once the, he finally caught himself to stop rolling, he tried to sort of shuffle his body before he showed anybody where the puck was over the line, back over the goal line. Good attempt. Just didn't work. Lemieux is on a 2 on one with Korea. He takes a shot and rests at it. First, the fans and Mario think it's in. Everyone else is not so much. Then a scrum ensues. Nothing you can tell from the overhead. Nice shove by Pavel Kubina, by the way, on the net to kill the play. 
You can't really see it after the puck is shot. Goal counts after a four-minute review. Yarmer Yager is going please at the officials. Lemieux from Eisenman at 1849 to, to Canada. You heard the whole sequence. It's a lengthy clip. A lot happened here. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but since I'm a Lemieux homer, I'm going to talk about Mario. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> just this, the, the uh, defenseman, Kabina, he plays this two-on-one perfectly. If anyone gets a chance to watch the clip, he plays it about as good as any defenseman can play. You want to force the guy with the puck to take a shot, and he does. And uh, Hashik is playing really deep in his net, which, mm-hmm. I mean, far be it for me to criticize the best goalie of all time, but he shouldn't have been that deep. And so it's kind of a problem of his own making. And Lemieux, Lemieux probably wanted to get that puck a little higher, you know, go under the bar, but... Um, it's still a great shot, you know, to, to lift it over Kabina and uh, to force uh, Hashik to juggle it a little bit and then roll into the net. And hat tip to Paul Korea for being on scene to just push him across the goal line. Just <laughs> give him a little shove. Give him that extra push. But I, got, I don't know what you thought about this. Uh, Bill Clement said it best during the intermission. It was the right call, but I'm not sure if it should have counted. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, because you can't think, tell anything. And I think... In yeah. the midst of Gary Thorne yelling, uh, they're mentioning that Bill McCreary never signals anything. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's saying right away the guy we're going to review it, but I guess it's all under assumptions. Like, oh, he can't find a puck; it must be under his arm. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see the CBC feed to see if they had anything different. But Was Bob Cole having a time? Likely. <laughs> <laughs> but when we look at that on the American feed, there's nothing in there that. You can't see the puck cross the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, does it cross the line? I'm 99% sure it does. Yeah. But you can't actually see it. Um, the, other, you know, the other thing that stands out about this is John Davidson is just really upset with Kabina for pushing the net off. <laughs> <laughs> he is really upset about it. So, about 30 seconds later, after that goal, Robert Lang attempts to end his career by jumping face first into the boards on a hit attempt on Eric Lindros. He is in all sorts of pain on the bench. Ken's legend, Robert Lang. um, I don't know what he's doing on this play, but uh, good for him for, you know, giving it a go. It's 2 2 after (coughs) 2. Excuse me. The shots are 28 13, Canada, 15 7 in the second period. Again, lots going on, including a man trying to kill himself. <laughs> Had a good period of hockey. Like, that was a really good period. and a really good pace. and Yeah, I mean, there, there could have been a few more penalties, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. Like, it's honestly, it's, I enjoyed watching that, even though I knew the outcome. I enjoyed that more than any game I've watched this year in the NHL. I was apparently very excited when Lemieux scored. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not like we cheered for him or anything. Uh, intermission time. Uh, we have Mario talking with Darren Payne. Also, as a comeback from the great, Gary's t- Gary and John, uh, John Davis are talking about the odd ice officials are there as volunteers and whatnot. And Gary, just out of nowhere, talks about the Daytona 500 of Zambonis. I do not understand the context of what is going on here. <laughs> Is it because you just had the 500 on yesterday, Gary? Please explain. <laughs> just dropping random NASCAR content into an Olympic broadcast, giving the people what they want. Again, 20 years later, me. <laughs> uh, also, Robert Lang is nowhere to be seen for some reason during the third period. I wonder what happened. Yeah. 
If you watch the game, um, they're talking about, oh, he must have had a leg injury or something. You end up playing, then they see the replay. Oh, that's not a leg injury. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I still don't know what he was doing. Like once again, I appreciate the effort, but I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking there. So because he he wasn't a big, he wasn't a physical player. He was. A, I mean, he he could um, dig around at the corners and stuff, but he wasn't a big hitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first. I, I, Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Jason is flummoxed. <laughs> Speaking of flummoxed, many Canadian viewers probably were during this sequence, about three minutes into the period. Al McGinnis, the play at the other end that time by Joe Newendike. Sent in wide, played to the corner. Marty Skula trickles out of the zone and back to center. Botanic came back to get it. Roman Hammerlick a chance, save, rebound, shot. Oh, what a save! Oh! Hammerlick's point shot is stopped by Berdour. A huge rebound comes into Santi Herdina. Berdour makes the save, and then as we cut to the break, we come back. John Davidson calls a 6.0 from the French judge. Hashtag topical humor, I wrote. We eventually see the replay a little later on. Basically, there's an open net, and Berdour is able to get a glove on as he dives for it. Thorne calms him to Brooks Robinson. <laughs> More wild references. Yeah. Again, again, because we talked about 02, I feel like this save should be talked about more. I guess in the context, it's probably depending on the tournament goes because obviously Canada's already guaranteed a spot in the quarters. But still, it's a pretty big save, all things considered. Well, and especially when you consider the opponent. I mean, once again, this is the team that knocked Canada out in 98. So you would think that... You would think that it would be mentioned more, yeah. But um, it's weird. It is, it's just weird how this game isn't really talked about anymore, even though it's it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, about a minute or so after, Nolan with a pass out of the corner just misses the connection with Lemieux. Lemieux then steals the puck from Yager, then has a god-awful turnover to the Pita in the slot. The shot goes off the left arm of Berdour. Mario, we like you and all, but my goodness. <laughs> Shortly after, it's, go ahead. It was crazy to me. I can't remember when in this broadcast. It might have even been the, been the pre, like right in the first period. But somebody says DePita was the Czech's best player in Nagano. And I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Let me look was. that up. <laughs> but uh, I just remember, um, you know, I remember Reichel was good for them. Yager, obviously. Hashik, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't remember him at all from Nagano. I made a fatal mistake. I decided to search for Czech Republic because it's easier. Yarmer Yager, so I have to throw, scroll through 8 billion stats to find the Olympic roster. Apparently, Yager played in a while. Um, I mean, I think they may be confusing him with Pavel Patera, who had 5 points and was tied with Yager in points, because Dopita had 3, which put him with Reichel, Ruzitska, and Straka, and Lang. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like I remember. I remember Dapita. At one point, he was considered the best player who wasn't in the NHL, mm-hmm. and it was a really big deal when he came over. But I don't remember him being super dominant in any Olympics. I mean, he obviously scores in this one. But... Yeah, was he as good as Jorgen Janssen, who played for the Sweden team, who was considered the best guy in the world? Yeah. 
So, well, let's remember I mean, some guys here, it, ladies and gentlemen. In hindsight, the best the best player who isn't in the NHL is Henrik Zetterberg at this point. Mm-hmm. Like in hindsight, you can say that. Now, okay. At the time, Go ahead. But at the time, people thought it was DePita. Oilers legend Yuri DePita. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, to be fair, Dopita did go off at the 2000 Worlds. He had 11 points in nine games. Who was He was led the team in scoring. David Vaborny was second in scoring, by the way, in that team. Well, that would do it. 11 points in nine games. And that era of hockey was, yeah, that's good. That's, that's impressive. Um, unfortunately, uh, Dopita was not drafted by a CHL team. Boo. <laughs> So no word if he had ever committed to the Denver Pioneers. I like the fact that he was drafted in 92 by Boston and then drafted again in 98 by the Islanders. Big gap there in terms of... <laughs> Anyways, back to the game. Um, after that sequence, Sackick about 20 seconds later or so, a backhanded pass off the stick of Haskett ends up with Korea was unable to put it home. Lindros will feed to Nolan who can't connect. Then Yarmer Yager makes Leginla look absolutely silly behind the net halfway through the game. Behind the net just flings him off his back. And again, like goes flying. And, and, you know, same with, as I said with Fleury. Like, it's it's just tough being a forward in that position, right? There's no forward on Canada that isn't going to look bad in that position. So, mm-hmm. that's tough. But, uh, Yager, as I said earlier, I mean, he's great in this game. Like, he's... He's, uh clearly at his peak and he's um he's the straw that stirs the check drink so there's no shame in, in having him make you look bad good thing we got a lot of good value for him from when we traded him away to the capitals so, sorry he's hearing no we did not <laughs> hey brother we don't talk about that we don't talk about that in Prince Albert. <laughs> so a few minutes later after yogurt in the Ginla sequence is this Pronger coming back to get it. Chris Pronger out defensively with Al McGinnis. Long rink wide is intercepted. Patera moves it in. Center. Shot Nopita. Kicked away to the corner by Martin Brodeur. Nopita waiting out in front of the net. Now he's got to come help. Pronger was back there battling for Team Canada. Nopita sends it in the middle. They shuffle it down low. Neuendijk got a piece. Couldn't clear it out. Hammerlick shot blocked. Rebound. been hanging, hanging, yeah. hanging. Well, the they checks played in the neutral zone, Gary. They waited for the pass. And Pronger tried that long 70-foot pass, and they picked it off. Then they went on the offense. Brodeur made the save, and the checks kept working. Watch this pass. Right across. Picked off right there. That's Sakura. He'll actually move the puck for the shot. This line hadn't had a shot through the first two periods, and they just kept going and going and going and eventually get the go-ahead goal. That was all because of the pickoff in the neutral zone and all the hard work. Here it comes. Bang. How about that? It is a 3-2 lead for the Czech Republic. Team Canada right back the other way. 13-17 of the period. Dopita gets his second of these Olympics. Hammerlick picked up the assists on it. Czech Republic. They come away with a win. They play Russia. They've got the 3-2 lead. 13-47 into the third period. 
Pronger's pass is intercepted by the Czechs, they get into the attacking zone. Hamrick's shot is blocked by McCann's and ends up right on the stick with Dupita in the slot. Pain, brother. Dupita from Hamrick at 13-17, Czechs lead 3-2. to three to two. Yeah, and I mean, full full credit to Dupita for having the wherewithal to put this in. A lot of guys would panic when something like that happens and shoot it over the net or whatever. But I mean, this is just a bad bounce. That's all this is. I mean, you can't really... You can't really blame Canada. You can't really credit the Czechs. It's just stuff like this happens sometimes. Puck hits a stick, puck hits a skate, and it goes right to Dupita. Like the, He doesn't have to make a nice uh, little stick handling play or anything. It goes right to him, and he puts it in. About a minute later, Canada pressures again. Korea finds Lemieux. He shoots it wide in his hat trick bid. I, you can't really see it on the angle here, but Lemieux is apparently missed the net and is mad about it. Uh, shortly after that, Elias with a nifty move around Pronger, but he misses it wide top corner. Havlitt's own hat trick bid on a rush is stopped with some help from, by Brodeur with some help from Niedermeyer. And then Yager makes another guy look silly. This time, it's Simone Gagne attempting to play defense, but he is stopped by Brodeur. I'm noticing a sequence. Pat Quinn should look into this and they face him again. Yeah, the Treks did a really good job of getting good matchups. I mean, if you're... Uh, not just we talked a bit about the line matchups right off the start, but Yager is getting out there one on one against guys you don't want to have. You don't want them defending Yager one on one, like a, a pronger or a foot, uh, even a Niedermeyer. Even though he's small, like you can you can work with that. But these forwards keep getting matched up with them, and yikes! Mm-hmm. Sure, about a minute after Yager Gagne sequence is this. Blake makes the turn. Rob Blake was started into the zone. Theo Fleury's out there with Shanahan and a sprawling Joe Newendike. He got tripped up, lost control of it. Back check, freed it up. Theo Fleury's hook shot, save. High check. Whoa. Theo Fleury came in and intercepted that point shot taken with Fleury the screen, but it went wide. That was Joe Vodosky who shot it. Niedermeyer, but sequence here. The Czechs have a bad turnover. Theo Fleury, while being hooked by Kubina, gets a shot off, a stop by Hasek. Then he finds Neuendijk in the slot and beats Hasek on a shot that if you see Hasek in this game, it feels like he kind of should have had. Neuendijk from Fleury and Jovanovski? At 16-36, it's a 3-3 tie. Yeah, this is just a, a it's a, just a car crash. <laughs> 90s Calgary Flames hooking up again and find a Jovanovski. Oh, man. Like, it's uh, like just massive defensive breakdown and forwards as you said changing even though the defense haven't cleared the puck out of their zone and flurry going flying common theme in this game and uh but i'll say this you know about the new indict goal a lot of times it's not 
how hard you shoot it or even where you shoot it. It's just getting your shot off so quick that the, the goalie doesn't have time to get set. And I think that's what happens here. Neuendijk has a pretty quick release on this shot. I mean, it's on a stick and gone. And Hasek never really has time to get set. And honestly, I don't think he, he picks up the puck until it's almost past him. So, you know, great, great play, obviously, from Neuendijk. Um, some really ugly defense from the Czechs. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, Hasek, like I said, I think he just, he didn't have time to get set. I don't think he picked up on the puck until it was too late, and Canada ties it up. Canada starts a pressure again. We're entering the final few seconds of the game, and, well, the ending comes here, in a sense, and there's a whole lot going on once again. Running out of time, final minute, 3-3 game. Leo Fleury up. Fleury looking, Shanahan. Brandon Shanahan, Martin Skula turned him around. Flurry ran into Shanahan. Puck still sitting. Shanahan lost his stick as it got broken. He had a head to the bench. Around the near side board, stepping up Scott Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer trying to dump it to Michael Peck. A shot by foot. Through a big screen. Hashik down on the ice. He got run over. And he's trying to get back up, and the sticks are up in the air. Theo Flurry still in the great shot. Niedermeyer. Oh, Flurry got leveled from behind by Roman Hammerlick. Cross check to the back and onto the ice. You know, Flurry was actually in front. Hashik moved into Flurry, and Flurry ended up over top of Hashik. And then the Czechs were trying to get him away from there using his stick. And this got heated. Flurry looks like he's hurt. Watch Flurry's in front. There's the collision. Hashik's well out of the crease. Well out of the crease. Now, Hammerlick, number four, is on the left side. Is going to be the player that's going to end up coming in front here. Oh, gosh. That's a dirty play. That's a dirty play. Right there, you see the stick of Skula trying to shovel away Flurry. He spets and swats his stick at the player. Then here comes Hammerlick. A cross check almost knocked Flurry's helmet off. That's a dirty play. Flurry's still down. Jim Ramsey, who's the medical trainer for the New York Rangers, Flurry plays for the Rangers. They talk things over. There's six seconds to go. Hammerlick. I suspect in his own mind felt that Fleury was around their goaltender and he's going to take care of business. Well, he got Fleury pretty good. Fleury appears to be okay. He bet him right in two, and there was no call on this. There's no penalty. Yeah. When you see a cross check into the back like that and the head snaps back and the helmet pops up, you know that's a real world-class cross check. I think it's a dirty play. Little discussion going on down there by the bench. You know, Hasek and Fleury met up, and Hasek was two feet about above the goal crease, and Fleury was not in the goal crease. And then Fleury fell backwards over when the two got after each other, and then all the other stuff happened. Roman Hammer looks like a real rugged defenseman and a good one for this team, but he got away with a big one there. And this game is over, and it is a 3-3 tie, Canada and the Czech Republic. Point shot by foot is stopped by Flurry, who falls on Hasek. The clock's winding down. Niedermeyer's shot is stopped. Hamlet with a massive cross check to the back of Flurry, who goes down. Puck's not even near him. Hasek comes over and starts barking. Kubina may have speared somebody. Remember that later when Glenn Gretzky speaks and gets triggered from a question by my boy Paul Romanuk in a post-game press conference. So it was part of it, but I think he was waiting for a question. Romanuk delivered it. That does it either way. 3-3 three is your final. Shots at 36-29 Canada. 16-8 checks in the third. Jason, there's a lot going on here. We got that sequence. We have Gretzky hose mad here in a little bit. Let's just go from the top. Well, 
yeah, we'll get to the Gretzky press conference, but this is another reason why I wanted to talk about this game. I didn't mention it at the start, but this this sequence of events here at the time was so controversial. And there were so many people who had really strong opinions on it, and they had really strong opinions on Gretzky's speech, which we'll get into. But this one, I don't know how there isn't a penalty on this play. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. You hear that in the I clip, too. I don't know what McCreary is looking at. I don't know how that cross check goes unpenalized. I know back in the in the late nineties, early aughts, they really liked to let the defensemen and the forwards battle in front of the net. But this isn't a battle. This is just one guy standing there. The puck's gone. He's just standing there, and he just gets cross checked. Like, and it's like they said on the broadcast. You see his his head snap forward. His helmet go back. Like it's and it's right in the back. I don't know how Tamerlik escapes without a penalty here. And you know, funny. I remember reading. Uh, I can't remember if this is in Theo Fleury's biography or if it was just in an article. But he mentioned about how after this happened, he was he was so livid at Hammerlick and was basically saying, "I'm gonna the next time we play in the NHL, I'm gonna wreck you." And Hammerlick was going, "You know, why do you have to be like that? Come on, Theo, why do you have to be like that?" <laughs> but um, the other the other thing here is the spear, which I think honestly is. Um, it's a really sneaky spear, so yeah. you don't really notice it the first time. But it's, I mean, that's, in my opinion, worse than the cross check. It's mm-hmm. not as blatant, but I I, um, I don't know how he escaped. It was Kabina with the spear, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know how he escaped without a suspension, honestly, because that's, that's blatant. Like, he's, he just blatantly pitchforks Flurry, And, um, yeah, it's, it's sneaky, so you the referee misses it. But the the IIHF or someone should have gone back and looked at it and said, okay, you're done for a game because this is completely unacceptable. Like, if you want to – if the guy's on your goalie, grab his jersey and drag him off or grab him by the arm and mm. drag him off. Like, you don't pitchfork him with your stick like that. And the crazy thing is – you know, Flurry is obviously an agitator. No, <laughs> he's, he's you know Captain Obvious here. Uh, he's a skilled player, but I I really um, Hashik when when he falls over Hashik, Hashik isn't in his crease. Yeah, he's outside the crease, and I think that fact I, I give Flurry a little bit of uh, leeway there because it's not like he's backing into a goaltender that's that's in his crease. Um, I don't think Flurry expected Hashik to be there. So, now, after, having said that, he didn't look like he was in a real hurry to get off of Hashik. <laughs> so, I can understand the Czechs being upset. I can understand Hashik being upset, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, Should we get to the Gretzky presser? <laughs> yeah, we need to get to the Because I feel like this is also kind of forgotten. <laughs> it is. Yeah, this was... People were livid after this press conference. I mean, and... Because you never hear, like, again, you never heard Gretz go off at that point, really. No. And um, he, and the stuff he said, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, but, you'll hear it on the clip at the end of the show, the whole thing. But there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, I mean, I don't know if you want to play the clip first or not. But well, I'm going to play it as the outro for the, for the show, so I'll let you kind of talk about it now. This question by Paul Romanuk, I think, is pretty tame. 
it's not like he's um, poking the bear here. He's asking, I think, a very normal question. Mm-hmm. And Gretzky just goes off. I think he was yeah. ready for something and then just went. Yeah, I, it kind of seems like that, honestly. Um, because it, usually when something like this happens, a reporter... You know, he, he just pokes the bear, like I said. He provokes the guy until you get an answer. But that doesn't happen here. Gretzky just goes off. And he says, you know, Europeans hate us more than we hate them. And they won't tell you that, but they do. <laughs> and then he's talking about how the Americans are planning things. <laughs> There's a mutiny within the team. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about how if, if one of our guys did it... Uh, you know, the first question I would have been asked is, why isn't there a suspension? I, I, I want to know why no one asked me why there sh- was a suspension. <laughs> here's here's the, the crazy thing, and this is, I agree with a lot of what, what he said about, um, you know, I think if a Canadian player had done that, the reaction would have been very different, and a lot of people would have been going, well, why wasn't there a suspension? Why wasn't there a penalty? Um, but one thing, I, you know, he says in the clip, the Czechs couldn't skate with us in the third. I don't know if I agree with that. I think, especially when Yager was on the ice, the Czechs were more than holding their own out there in the third period. There were a few guys at the bottom of their lineup who were clearly running out of gas, but their top guys were still going. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I agree with that part. But See, I remember the reaction mm-hmm. to this. I remember... Uh, there were some people who thought uh, Gretzky was whining and complaining. I remember <laughs> Paul McLean, or not Paul McLean, good heavens, Ron McLean, <laughs> Paul, uh, Winnipeg Jets legend Paul McLean. <laughs> Ron, I remember Ron McLean coming on saying he had never seen Gretzky that upset. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what the reaction was like in Sault Ste. Marie, but I, I doubt anyone there saw him get that upset ever no. about anything. Like no. So I was curious as to again checking the leader post because they mentioned you are what U.S. media obviously targets Gretzky after and all that stuff and that kind of complaint. So I didn't check all the other papers. So I'm like, okay, Rob Vance didn't have it in the column. I'm like, maybe Vance was just watching the game and didn't see that until later. So I'm thinking, okay, Vance or somebody has got a column the next day, right? No, because the Riders made a big trade. Jason, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's hear it. Desperate for an experienced quarterback, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Tuesday acquired Neon Green from the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh my <laughs> I thought it was going to be Neon Green. Green. I was hoping it wasn't. Holy mackerel. Neon Green, Simon Buffow, and a second round pick to Saskatchewan for Darren Davis, Dan Kameski, and Mike O'Brien. And you know, Darren Davis, one of my favorite Saskatchewan Rough Rider running backs. Um, one of the most hard-nosed runners I've ever seen. I remember being really uh, sad about that trade because I love Derek Davis. Um, obviously, the CFL, you know, nowadays running backs are not valued at all. No. But but even back then, there was this sense that it's not hard to find good American running backs. I think that's why the riders were, were willing to get rid of Davis mm-hmm. uh, because they thought, uh, you know, Roy Shivers was a... He was a great scout. He was a great. Uh, he was good at going down to the U.S. and finding diamonds in the rough. And I think he thought I can go find a running back from you know the uh, the MAC or the Southwest or wherever. <laughs> but but finding the quarterback that Shivers loved Neilon Green, and I just in hindsight I don't understand why. I mean I don't. He was uh, he was a CFL version of Michael Vick with a worse arm. That's kind of my my view of him and. 
<laughs> Bet you didn't think this is where the podcast was going to go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Me, Long Green. <laughs> It's a great setup for our next Let's Remember Some Pain whenever we do a Ryder game again. Because holy mackerel. Evergreen. But, but the, the, you know, the, to get back to the Gretzky thing. Um, no, let's talk about Neil Long Green for another 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, that's the Neil Long Green after dark. Uh, anyway, the, um, back to Wayne. The, you know, like you said, it's crazy that that, that thing that... that Oh, here comes the Elon Green police. <laughs> I can hear the cops in the background. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that it's not talked about more today. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't... You never hear uh, anyone, re- excuse me, really mention it. And I think, you know, to, to bring this to a conclusion, I think that's because the 2002 tournament ended up being really anticlimactic. I mean, in the gold medal game, there was never really any doubt that Canada was going to win. There was never any point where the U.S. Um, seemed to have Canada on the rails. And the bronze medal game, I mean, they played Belarus. Like, uh, no one doubted they were going to win that. So it's a very, very anticlimactic tournament. And I think that really works against... Uh, people's memories when it comes to the Gretzky rants and the cross check at the end on Flurry and mm-hmm. this, this game in general. So I checked the following day's Sue starters. People are comping it to the Phil Esposito rant in 72. Yeah, which, which people still talk about the Phil Esposito rant, but no one talks about the Gretzky rant. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading a little bit in a column written by Wayne Scanlon, uh, who is a reporter with the offices and the columnist there. So I ran a Sue star. Um, Checking here, Tuesday, for his contributions to the game of hockey, Gretzky was awarded the highest honor in the Olympic movement, the International Olympic Committee's Olympic Order. The night before, Gretzky was ordering up an on-ice payback against a Czech player for a cross-check and field flurry. Green, maybe my timing wasn't as good on that one. <laughs> also, Gretzky explained that he's spoken out to protect his team. Every day when I came to the rink, there was another rumor. The coaches weren't talking, and Mario was going home. Finally, I'd had enough of it. The rumor about his Catholic Mew leaving the games because his hip was too injured to play was the, quote, last straw. Yeah, and there was, I mean, there was a, there was a ton of pressure on that team. And I do, at the time, remember a few people saying they thought Gretzky did that to get the attention on himself and away from the players. Mm-hmm. And, Which is what I kind know, of thought not, looking back on it in hindsight. I'm like, okay, this kind of yeah, makes... Yeah, I do too. Because I'd never, until I'd, I'd heard his comments before, I had never listened to the entire press conference until we we did this segment, or mm-hmm. we decided to do this segment. And the fact that uh, Rom, Romanuk asked, you know, such a, a normal question, and he just went off, it does make me think that he was doing it just to take the pressure off the team, uh, as opposed to, you know, responding with, with emotion to a, a reporter asking a touchy question. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, I'm checking the Sioux Star. See if anything else of note. Uh, Windsor Council and the Windsor and the Spitfires are working out a deal to keep the team in Windsor. Doesn't tell me where they're going to move to though, which is interesting. <laughs> Burying the lead here. Let's look at the Windsor Star later. There's also a photo from a Champions League game between AC Milan and Rota JC. Let's remember some Dutch clubs, Jason. Remember when it wasn't the same six clubs winning the Champions League every year? Yes, bring Jeez. back, bring back start, Fred Star bring, Belgrade. Bring back FC Porto, like come on. Um, so yeah, I'm just taking a look here. See if there's anything else here. Oh, Kevin Martin's eight and one here in the uh, curling event. That's good. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to him in the final. Yeah, 
<laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one, I did, uh, you know, one thing I'll add about this uh, broadcast. I thought you were going to say one thing about Kevin Martin. Like, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention this off the top, but I'm just going to throw it in here at the end. I don't know, I don't know if you watched the intro, uh, the intro highlight package they had prior to Bill Clement coming on to talk about the game. No. But they, somebody said Sweden had the hottest goalie in the tournament. Tommy Sala? Yeah. And you want to talk about freezing cold takes that did not age well. Calling Tommy Sala the hottest goalie at the 2002 Olympics has got to be an all-timer. I, that's another one I had to rewind and Make sure I heard correctly. Uh, there's also in the Sioux star, Bill Montague, which is a whole other topic another time about OHL beat guys, is just dunking on Jason Spezza. But we'll discuss that off microphone because, woo! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to this game. Final stats 20 minutes later. Havlick with two goals for the Czechs. So Peter with a goal. Yager Kabit and Hamlick with assists. Hasek 33 saves. Canada, Lemieux with two goals. Neuendijk the other goal. Niedermeyer, Eisman, Flurry, and Jovanovski assists. Berger 20 saves. I mean, we could say for standout players, Lemieux and Yager, and maybe call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I think Korea played really well for Canada. Uh, he generated a lot of offense. Um, you know, Havlat, obviously, with the two goals. The, you know, I think the thing that really sunk, I don't want to say sunk, the thing that hampered the Czechs in this game, I think they did get a little too cute at times. Um you might look at the shot totals and think, well, Broder, he didn't play that well, but he he plays really well. Mm-hmm. The the Czechs, they just they like their crisscross passing plays. They like uh, their finesse game, and there were a lot of times they just got way too cute. Mm-hmm. And I think it uh, you know it hurt them at certain points. But Broder played well. Hashik obviously, uh, Lemieux and Yager obviously. Uh, Korea was the guy if I had to round it out for Canada with the guys I liked list I really liked him mm-hmm. and um, you know Havlat obviously for the Czechs so great uh, great game considering the era it was played in you mm-hmm. know 2002 we're still in the dead puck era uh, I wish uh, I wish more NHL games of that era had been you know that caliber uh, wish there hadn't been as much spearing and slashing and stick work and that kind of stuff. But, Two lines passes allowed, but again, another story for another yeah, time. Yeah, you know, and, that, and um, that was when the no two lines was still really new. So you didn't really know which teams were going to be able to take advantage of it and which teams weren't. Uh, now, obviously, every team takes advantage of it. But it was interesting to go back and remember a time when it wasn't a... When it wasn't a guaranteed thing, and some teams were still adjusting to it, some players still adjusting to it. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned earlier about kind of weird scheduling. The final game in group play is that night in Group C with Sweden and Germany, probably because everyone wanted to see Shailen Vorn and Victor Kratz in the Paris event. But anyway, um, let's remember some Canadian skaters. Uh, Sweden wins seven one. Sundin of a goal and two assists. Nazan of two goals. So your final points in Group C: Sweden of six, Czechs with three, Canada three. I assume Czechs had a goal difference, and Germany no points. In the quarterfinals, Belarus and Sweden. <laughs> Shots are 47-19-4. Sweden, the game is tied at three. Then Vladimir Kopat ruins hottest goalie in the world, Tommy Salah's life. <laughs> Belarus upsets Sweden 4-3. World Junior curse strikes on the men's level. And, and you know, this really did ruin Tommy Salah. Like, we joke about that stuff, but I think this mentally did really 
ruin him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he was ever the same goalie after this happened. This goal, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think if Sweden wins this game and sets up a rematch with Canada, this tournament is remembered much more fondly. Mm-hmm. Especially like, if Canada is able to beat Sweden in the semifinals, but uh, instead mm-hmm. they get Belarus, who is... You know, I remember that game. Belarus looked like a team that was just happy to be in the in the semifinals after that win. You know, that that victory over Sweden was almost their gold medal, and everything else was gravy. So, well, they couldn't dress Protus. He was less than one years old, so that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> More on that game in a little bit. Uh, USA beats Germany five nothing. John Leclerc and Jeremy Roenick a goal and assist each. Czech Republic's repeat bid ends in a one nothing loss to Russia in a gold medal rematch. Nikolai Habibulin at 41 saves. Hashik 27 games. Maxim Finneganov scoring a goal for Russia to advance them to the semifinals early in the second period. And Canada, a 2-1 win over Finland. Brodurk 18 saves and goals from Sakic and Iserman. And you know, I don't remember a thing about that game. No. I have to go watch it again. Uh, in the semifinals, as mentioned, Canada shellacks Belarus 7-1. Shots were only 51-14. to Eisenman <laughs> a goal and two assists. Korea a goal and assist. And Lemieux two assists. Ho-hum. <laughs> only two assists, yeah. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> the other semifinal, the U.S. beats Russia 3-2. Phil Housley, guy, with a goal and an assist. Uh, Mike Richter, 28 saves. Javi Bulin, 47 saves. Yeah, um, I don't rem- like. I honestly don't remember anything about that game either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the bronze medal game, this might shock you as well. Russia slightly more talented than Belarus, a seven-two win. Datsuk, Pavel Datsuk, Igor Larionov, and Penn's legend Alexei Kovalev, all with three-point performances. Yeah, yeah Kovalev putting up big points in the game that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> More on that later. And then the gold medal game. Canada gets their first goal since 1952. Joe Sackick scores! Joe Sackick, and that's got to be it. Two goals and two assists, a monster performance, and a 5-2 win. He is named tournament MVP. Also didn't remember tournament MVP being a thing. Yeah, well, I I, I don't remember it being a big deal. I mean, in hindsight, I didn't know if I... Say Hashik. Hashik was definitely the or uh, Hashik. Good heavens, Sakic was definitely the MVP of the gold medal game. But I don't know about tournament MVP. Um, Eric Brewer clearly. But I mean, yeah, but like, like I said earlier, you know this the Canada U.S. game. I don't ever remember there being a point where I was worried that Canada wasn't going to win. Yeah, and it's, was again, no, as we talked earlier, it's overshadowed by what happens in 2010, obviously. So yeah. Um, or, or even in 26 or 26 2000 and, uh, 2006 when they lost to Russia in the quarters mm-hmm. I mean the tension in that game you could tell right from the opening face off that things were you know Canada was really tight mm-hmm. but in that game against the US I mean they, uh, the, the Americans were the ones that looked like they were really tight and really stressed and had a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on them and Canada just looked really really loose and they played loose and well, I'm sure, too, thinking about it, just off the top of my head, you're having not seen the game in forever. But with the States, the fact that it's in the States, they just beaten the Russians in the semis. They had, uh, Herb Brooks is coaching. 
Would Lake Placid have come up 77 times in the pregame? Many are saying. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've, you know, I've never seen the U.S. broadcast of that. I actually, believe it or not, I didn't even, I was uh, traveling on the day the, the gold medal was played. So I listened to it on the radio. And I only saw the, um, like, I only saw highlights afterwards. But I remember we were just about to leave as the game was starting. So we were watching the warm-ups and stuff and watching the uh, the pregame coverage and, like, the first couple minutes of the period. And, yeah, like, no one was – there was – no one was really stressed about it or anything. I think everyone thought, yeah, mm-hmm. Canada's going to go here, take care of business. And they did. I mean, they – they dominated that game from start to finish. Please tell me you were traveling to some to from or to some sort of heroic small town in Sask. I was traveling from uh, Karenport, Saskatchewan, up to Unity, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Go, man! Culture! Let's remember some towns. Yeah. Phil Hamm going to be excited when he hears this back. Yeah, I was at a youth event in Karenport, and so... Uh, yeah, but that's what I, that's the crazy thing. Like, the gold medal game was on a Sunday afternoon, which, once again, scheduling. I mean, yeah. put that in prime. That's seven. also, I think, though, with the Olympic scheduling, though, too, because the Olympic hockey gold medal game is always the last event. And then you have the closing ceremonies yeah. at night. So. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Because that was the case for 22. The real main event was the women's curling final for me. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, the, right after that was the gold medal men's game. And Finland won. Even your head won. Was it one of the greatest days of my life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she betrayed you by supporting Aiden Curling. So. Well, Eve also retired, though. So the sport was done after that anyway. Uh, anywho, uh, so what happened with Canada checked to the next Olympics? Well, Canada, uh, Pat Quinn and Mae Gretzky are both back, and they are joined on the bench by Mark Habscheid. Let's go. This was back when Habby's part of the national team program, leading to Habby coaching at the Spangler Cup, a future episode, hopefully. <laughs> Mark Habscheid yelling at a rap, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the roster for this team, I'll go through this here in a bit and I'll let Jason chime in. Brodeur's back in goal. Your new goalies are Roberto Luongo and Marty Turco replacing Belfour and Joseph. On defense, Blake Foote and Pronger are back. Your new faces on D are Bo Meester, J. Bo Meester, Brian McCabe, Wade Redden, and Robin Regeer. Out are Brewer, Ed Jovanovski, who was silent from abdominal injury, McKinnis, and Niedermeyer, who was to have played in this team, but he was silent from a knee injury. On forwards back are Gagne, Aginla, Sakic, and Smith. Your new faces... Fine man about town, Todd Bertuzzi. That's a decision. Shane Doan, Chris Draper, Danny Heatley, 1507, Vincent LeCavier, Rick Nash, Brad Richards, Martin St. Louis, and Joe Thornton replacing Flurry Korea, the now retired Mario Lemieux, who I think probably would have declined anyway because he had health issues at this point anyway. Lindros, Neuendijk, Nolan, Pekka, Shanahan, and Steve Eisman, who also declined. It was in his final season of his career. A lot of choices on this roster. <laughs> Well, Todd Bertuzzi! And, 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 I mean, this was talked about at the time, but leaving Sidney Crosby off that roster, I mean... No idea. What's he going to do? You look at some of the guys they took instead, and once again, I know I know everyone talks about how well you need some guys who are defensive forwards who can kill penalties and stuff. Like, if you don't have... Crosby went to the World Championships. I can't remember if it was... It was the Olympic year or not, but he just ripped it up. Mm-hmm. Like he just destroyed that, the very first World Championships he was at. I so, can't remember, by the way, sorry if I said Brad or Mike Richards, but it's Brad Richards. Mike Richards, good Kenora boy. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, it's uh, it is crazy to see some of those names. I mean, I like I like Chris Draper as a player. He had a lot of sandpaper. Uh, he was a good gritty player, but you're gonna take him over a 19 or 20 year old Sidney Crosby? Like that's just crazy to me. So I'm just checking in regards to Crosby. Crosby went to the Worlds in 2006. Oh, hum, 16 points in nine games. <laughs> yeah, and he got the cheap shots he had to put up with that tournament were incredible. It's like the refs just forgot their rule books and their whistles for that tournament. <laughs> and he still led, and he still put up all those points. So I think it would have been exciting to watch him at the at the Olympics. And the Russians, they brought Malkin. They brought Ovechkin. And Malkin, Malkin, Malkin. No, no, remember him at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure his name will come up at some point. Uh, tournament MVP was Nick Cronwall. <laughs> Sweden did win, but still, a decision has been made. Grandwall was fourth in scoring, by the way, with 10 points, because Crosby had 16, Patrice Bergeron had 14, Pateri Numelin had 14 points for Finland, and then Cronwall had 10 and 8. So I get it, but... Yeah, I never would have guessed Cronwall in a million years. You could have given me all the hints in the world, I never would have picked him. Glenn Metropolitan was on his team. How did we not win? Anyway, um, <laughs> the tournament was rigged. Um, so, 06 Olympics, you mentioned the roster. Canada finishes third in Group A. Tournament, by the way, completely different now. You have six teams in the pool. Top four make it to the playoffs. Three and two record in Group A. We're shut out by Finland and Switzerland. 2 nothing for their losses. And then a 2 nothing shutout loss to Russia in the quarterfinals, as mentioned by Jason earlier, ends a repeat bid. Canada would strike gold again in 2010 and 2014, the last two tournaments of Olympic players with any chellers. 2018, they got a bronze, and in the quarters in 2022. In the guy-remembering era, as we call it. Yeah. It's basically a glorified version of the Spangler Cup. But not as good, kids. No Thavos. <laughs> no Akbar Stan. Yeah. yeah, really. Like, honestly, that's pretty much what it is now. So. Uh, the Czechs in 2006, coached by something called an Alosia Hansnik, who had won bronze in the last two world championships. Uh, back is Dominic Hasek. More on that shortly. Your new goalies are Milan Holinka, back once again, Thomas Vokun, and something called a Dusan Salafixki, who you'll hear why he's on this roster shortly. They replace Turek and Czech Manic. Cabrillet, Kubina, and Spacek are back on defense. Uh, new faces are Francis Cabrillet, Philip Kuba, Merrick Malik, and Merrick Zidlicki. Malik obviously brought for his shootout moves. They replace Hammerlick, Skula, Schmelik, and Michael Sakora. Up front, um, Yannick. Uh, Janicek, Elias, Heyduk, Yager, Lang, and Ryshinsky are back. New faces, Jan Bulas, Martin E. Rat, Alex Hemsky, Alex Kotelik, Radislav Oles, Vinny Prospel, David Baborny, replacing Dopita Dvorak, Havlad, a sign of a shoulder injury, Herdina, Patera, Reichel, and Peter Sikora. Not a bad roster. No, it's pretty good, and I'm glad to see Saskatoon Blades legend Martin E. Rat there. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Blades of all time. So, um, good for him. In the tournament, Hoshik is hurt nine minutes into the opener. Might be important for the Sens with Germany. And they go fourth in the group, 2-3 record. They lost to Canada in the finale, 3-2. They beat the Slovaks 3-1 in the quarterfinals. Uh, Lows to Sweden, 7-3 in the semis. And then shut out Russia 3-0 in the bronze medal game. Uh, the Czechs would lose in the quarterfinals in 2010 and 2014. Would finish fourth in 2018 and... Uh, lose out in the quarterfinals in 2022. Jason, discuss. <laughs> it's Ray Emery time in Ottawa in 2006. Kids get excited. 
Hans Legend. They had, NHL, they had NHL players back at the Olympics. That's what I'll wrap this up with. I, you know, I, I understand that people like, uh, people always say the Olympics is for amateurs, but there's every single sport, those, those guys or gals, they're, they're year round competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's skiing, speed skating, figure skating, they may not be getting paid like professionals, but they're training and they're coaching. I mean, they're full-time professionals. Um, so I would, I really wish the NHL could get their act together and get back at the Olympics. I, um, I have zero interest in the world cup of hockey. <laughs> as long as they're doing, as long as they're using gimmick teams, like the under 23 team or whatever. It was or what they're talking year. about for the next one, like doing a four team tournament. So I tweeted, congratulations. You have made the world yeah. junior summer showcase. Yeah. Like I, I have zero interest in that. I really, but I really enjoy the Olympic uh, hockey mm-hmm. tournament. And I just, I wish the NHL would uh, get their heads out of there. You know what? And yeah. figure out a way to make it work. Cause it's, it's great. The players, Everything I've read is that the players like it. They like the chance to represent their country. I think the fans love it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the ones that that uh, aren't uh, obsessed with the NHL, like just regular hockey fans. I, think, love <laughs> I it. thought you were about to say they weren't obsessed with the Spangler Cup, and I was like, I'm offended. <laughs> Did you bring me on this show just to have an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think that I know some people who have said they would rather, they, they don't care about the... They don't want NHL players going to the Olympics because they want to win a Stanley Cup. And obviously for us, as guys whose favorite team has won back-to-back twice, (laughs) it's a little bit different. But I'm at the point now where I would rather see Crosby and Malkin and these guys suit up at the Olympics one more time before I... I'd rather, before I'd rather see them in the Stanley Cup Finals again. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's where I am right now. And it's great hockey. It's... um, you know, some of the best games I've ever seen are Olympic hockey, so I hope the NHL can make it work, but uh, I have zero faith in their ability to do it. I think they're going to keep pushing the World Cup, and we're going to have to put up with all those stupid gimmicks again. Well, as I was going to say, it'd be interesting, two parts here, it'd be interesting to see to go back, kind of see the 2014 stuff, because obviously I remember it with, you know, obviously Crosby doing stuff. But the one thing I remember mostly from that term, besides Timo doing stuff, hero, uh, is also uh, the long shootout for the uh, USA-Russia game. So, But I wonder, like, going back, if that stuff would have held up. We'll talk about this game a little bit. So that's something I'm kind of curious about when we get to 2014 Olympics. So I'm sure the 2010 gold medal game is going to hold up when I watch that back again on this program. <laughs> but it'll be kind of interesting to see. And also, I was going to say, with all these verses in hockey, you'd think this would be a great win for the sport of crime. But no, they're going to screw that up too, I'm sure. <laughs> Conference of Champions. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, the only thing the only thing on this podcast that could be worse than rider pain might be Canadian curling pain. So. Yeah, that's for those people. I'm cheering for Eve. <laughs> now I have no more horse in the fight. <laughs> pain, watching Mike Harris win the 97 Olympic trials. But anyway... So, uh, as we kind of wrap this up here, Jason, I think I know the answer to this, but I'll ask you, is this game one you recommend people go back and watch? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This, it's uh, a really intense game. And as we mentioned during the podcast, it, it has great flow. It has great pace. The fact that there are no long commercial breaks, it, it just, it does so much to make the game flow better. Uh, both teams have uh, a lot of offensive talent on their roster, so every time 
someone's going into the end with the puck, there's a chance there's going to be a goal. Uh, even the, the third and fourth line's got a lot of talent on them. Uh, you've got you got Hasek and Yager, who are, uh, even though they're getting older, they're still at the top of their game. you got Lemieux, even though he's hurt, he's at, he's still playing at a really high level. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd 100% recommend it, and then I'd recommend people go watch the Gretzky rant again, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, okay, it's got Gary Thorne, so Gary Thorne could be calling water polo, and I'd recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no it's again it, it's totally different too as we talked about too from uh the era with dead puck era and clutch and grab yeah. and two line pass and that coming so yeah. i think obviously if you're compared to the games that era yeah if you're a younger listener you might be like okay what's the hype and like, like i said it's best on best and the style of play is completely different from what you saw in the nhl at that point so yeah definitely yeah. worth going back because again it's pretty important in terms of the grand scheme of things all right, Jason, thanks for doing this once again. Way too long since you had to on the show. We'll have you back on again here at some point. Possibly Writer's Pain, possibly something else. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, there's a lot of pain to pick from, so we won't we won't lack for options, that's for sure. We, we can't do 93 Penns Islanders. It'll just be us yelling David Bowley's well, name for 30 minutes. Yeah. We listen to Jason and Lucas lose their minds on this podcast. Oh, and there goes Kevin Stevens face first in the theaters again. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, hey, God. I had to, to be fair, I did have to do um, the 06 Rose Bowl for episode 50, so my vengeance is making people just re suffer pain on every episode of the show. As I told Phil Heilman, guess we're making you watch. You losing to game five of the Oakland 21 Cup Finals or 89 when the Flames beat you on home ice. Or should we do Patrick Waugh leaving the Habs? That might break him. Yeah, that would be a great pain game. The 10-1 blowout. <laughs> then start reading him articles from the Montreal Gazette or the Montreal paper in French. Thrill as Lucas butchers the French language. Sac le bleu. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure coming on this show and remembering uh, a lot of guys that I, I haven't thought about in a lot of years, a lot of great players, a lot of great, great games. So I appreciate it. And we, got, and we got to discuss Neil on Green. What an evening. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear Jason's other appearances on the show, you can. Just subscribe to Let's Remember Some Sports Podcast on your favorite podcast provider and just kind of go from there. Also direct link to the show at anchor.fm slash lucas Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. Seem to be some greater possibilities for this team now than there was 24 hours ago. Well, first of all, the pressure and the um, expectation on our team is probably far greater than any other team in this tournament. Uh, you top that with the fact that we haven't won since 50s makes it even that much more difficult. And. Um, we had a tough second period in game one. Uh, <clears throat> we had a very emotional game tonight. Uh, thought we played really well. And um, now we're in a situation where uh, we're going to play a team in Finland who plays very hard. And uh, we can kind of control our destiny. So we. Um, we played much better tonight with much more emotion and much more desperation. I thought we played really well. Next question. On the left. 
Uh, Wayne, what's the difference? I mean, it didn't make any difference in the seating, but what's the difference between 3-3 three, three and 3-2 three, as far as the, the final goal? For us? Yeah. I mean, you, well, the tie really didn't make any difference. No. You, you just probably the biggest difference is what you guys write. <laughs> um, it, you know, to go into any game, you want to have some sort of a high. And, um, you know, we, we deserved a tie tonight at the worst. I thought we played really well. I thought Mario was tremendous. Um, it was, you know, we're, we're set up in a pretty good situation heading into Wednesday. Question on the left, Paul Romanek. Wayne, uh, why does it usually, not always, but usually, uh, take Canadian teams three or four games before they start to roll in these things? Is it a lack of respect on the part of NHL guys no, no. For, for the international game, or what is it? No, no, not at all. Uh, to man, everyone in there will tell you how great a player Hasek is. They'll tell you how great Sundin is. They'll tell you how good Yager is. So we, we know they're good players. <clears throat> I don't think we dislike those countries as much as they hate us. Um, and that's a fact. They don't like us. They want to see us fail. Um, they love beating us. They may tell you guys something different, but believe me, when you're on the ice, that's what they say. They don't, they, they don't like us. And we got to get that same feeling towards them. I mean, right now it's comical to listen to things that are being said. Um, almost sickens my stomach to turn the TV on because I'm such a proud Canadian and such a fan of our game and very proud of all the players in our locker room. And it makes me ill to hear some of the things that are being said about us. And, um, well, just it's not very good. And what <clears throat> what's really annoying to me in the 70s when we went through this whole thing about hooliganism and all that kind of stuff, if if – we would have did what they did tonight. It would be a big story. I think the guy should be suspended for the rest of the tournament. Um, if it was a Canadian player that did it, it would be a big story. But a Czech player did, it's okay. I, I just don't understand it. You guys saw it. If I'm wrong, I would tell you I, I'd apologize. But one of the things that we got eliminated out of our game is that kind of stuff. And if a Canadian did it, it would be big news. But a Czech does it, and it's okay. And... I don't understand it. There was a spear and a cross-check in the same play. I, I don't get it. Question in the front. Wayne, Wayne, just to make sure, just, just to clarify that, do they hate Canadians because you're like the Yankees of baseball? Or Probably. Yeah. I mean, I heard a quote last night when we were tied nothing-nothing after the first period, and that was the quote. It was like the Kansas City Royals being tied with the New York Yankees, two games to two. And I, it's kind of ridiculous to me. Also, you, you, you look like you're on, on the edge of your seat when they were reviewing that goal. I was well, it was what... clearly a goal. Right. I mean, there's nothing to review. <laughs> I don't know what we're reviewing. Um, they couldn't skate with us in the third period. They should have had four or five penalties, hooking, holding, tripping. We outplayed them in the third period. We just They talk about we're not a skating team. We can't move the puck. We have no finesse. That's crazy. Um, we outskated him in the ground in the third period. Question. And, uh, oh. There should have been four or five penalties, blatant penalties, and should have been two or three suspensions. Um, am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. 
because I'm tired tired of people taking shots at Canadian hockey. And uh, when we do it, we're hooligans. And when Europeans do it, it's okay because they're not tough or they're not dirty. That's a crock of crap. Question on the left. Uh, some of the things that are being said is that there's a little bit of unhappiness from some of the veteran players on the Canadian team with Pat <coughs> Quinn's style of coaching. He, I know he doesn't like to communicate all the time. That's up to his style. But do you feel that these are things being spread by other people, such Absolutely. as other coaches? American propaganda. <laughs> when you say American propaganda, who do you mean specifically? Americans. The American team? Like Absolutely. Someone like Herb no, Brooks? no, no, not within the team. Okay. Absolutely not. Let me get that straight. Hey, if you want to talk about hockey, you're going to talk about the Canadians. We're the biggest story down here in hockey. And uh, they're loving us uh, uh, not doing well. They loved us the start we had. It's a big story for them. Um, I only got two Canadian stories, figure skaters and the hockey team. And, um, you know, it's such a crock of bull. Um, we got great guys in our locker room. Nobody wants us to win but our own players. Um, our fans are loyal. They People don't understand the pressure these guys are under. They don't understand the BS that our guys have to go through. And um, we're still here. We're still standing, and we're very proud. We're proud players. And like I said, um, our country plays hard, and uh, we respect every team we play, and um, we don't dislike them. Maybe sometimes when we start to dislike them, we play better. And uh, like I said, you know, you guys saw the tape yourself. If that was one of, if that was one of our players doing that, that would have been the first question I would have been asked: Should he be suspended? You guys should be suspended the rest of the tournament. Simple as that. It's cowardly what happened. I, I just, if a Canadian did it or an American player did it, we'd be hooligans. Two more questions, Paul Romanek and then Bob McKenzie. Wayne, just to follow up on that, uh, the Theo mugging there that you're referring to, mm -hmm. were you particularly astounded because it was an NHL referee who was, who was working <clears throat> the game? I'm, I'm more astounded. You know what we say in hockey is payback's a you-know-what. <laughs> in the old days, you couldn't pay them back, so that's why we lost our tempers. Well, now they've got to answer the fiddler in about a week, and payback's going to be awful tough. Believe me, it's not going to be pretty. I wouldn't want to be in that Ranger Islander game next week. Uh, Wayne, for those of us that maybe didn't have as good a vantage point as you did, could you just detail exactly what it is that you saw that you're so upset about? Cause... Well, he cross-checked him in the back. <coughs> he blatantly tried to hurt him, and I don't understand it. But if, if it was a Canadian player who did it, that would have been the first question you, the European journalists would ask me. Do you think he should be suspended, or you guys are goons, and, you know... Get, I, w I want to know if why I wasn't asked that question, <laughs> you know. But if it was my player that did it, that would have been the first question asked: Should he be suspended? Are you disappointed in your team? And are you embarrassed by what happened? It happened to us. Our guys sucked it up and they played hard. We outskated them, and we're still standing. And believe me, our, we got a proud bunch in our locker room, and I know the whole world wants us to lose except for Canada and Canada fans and our players, and we'll be there. We'll be standing.